Warning! The Bone Bad Joe is intended for adults only and contains bad words and other yucky stuff that may make some people very angry. So watch out! On October 17th, thousands of gamers from more than 100 gaming communities around the world will join forces in an unprecedented battle on behalf of children engaged in the fight of their lives. The second annual Extra Life Video Game Marathon, benefiting pediatric cancer research and treatment, is your chance to make a real difference in this important battle. The best part? You can join the fight from the comfort of your own living room. Play video games for 24 hours and enlist your friends to either join you or sponsor your efforts for just $1 per hour. Being a part of such a serious battle has never been more fun. If you've ever had your life touched by cancer, you know how high the stakes can be. Show these brave kids and their families that you stand beside them. Get more information online now. Visit extralife.sarcasticgamer.com. Play games, heal kids. Extra Life. Listen to Steve and Gord. It's a kick-ass digital broadcast where we've got dick jokes galore. Bone Bat. Halt the deuce. This is MC Front a lot. You are listening to the Bone Bat Show. You are likely to be eaten. You are likely to be eaten by a group. If this predicament seems particularly cruel, consider whose fault it could be. Now the torture a match in your inventory. You are likely to be eaten by a group. If this predicament seems particularly cruel, consider whose fault it could be. Now the torture a match in your inventory. It got narrated at you in the second person. Every time you put it up, it seems you got another version of your life told to you by a status line blinking. The impossible people you could be without thinking. Yourself insane of person. Problems with a mop on a dropship or trying to stab a goblin that don't play in public life. You get arrested, psychoactive medication daily in your big intestine. And the testing that the voices in your head said the dwarf shot first, embedded arrow, then you bled. But doctors with needles posit repeatedly that you knocked down that midget in the park unneededly. This has seeded the idea that you should never venture from the house, never get misunderstood by the non player characters inhabiting Earth. None of whom are too concerned about Norton Burton. Not one of whom ever aimed to fish around the room Trying to get it in the ear canal Because Doom be set the last planet they were on or near The verge of a set of poetics they wouldn't hear Never appeared at the clues with invisible ink No SM goddesses ever gave them pause to think Never piloted six robots, each distinct Don't matter how many two liters they drink They're not going to follow what you're saying at all They impute and appall in the scope of their gall As you hide in your room in disgust with the lights turned out Turn them on in a turn, leave them off for now. You are like Lee to be eaten. 
What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 32 of the Bone Bat Show. This is Steve. This is Gord. How you doing, man? Hey, happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. This is a, it's our two-year anniversary. The two-year birthday of the Bone Bat Show. Wait, Woo-hoo! is it a birthday or- yeah. An anniversary, or whatever. It's because it's like uh, I got different gifts for you. I mean, if it's a two it's year an anum, I've got you a I've got you a teething ring. It's an annual measurement. I don't know a teething ring. Isn't yeah, it like balsa wood or a cock ring? <laughs> well, for you, a cock ring and a teething ring are one and the same. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'll have to check the Wikipedia or something. No, for an anniversary, it's the cotton anniversary. So I got you some, you know, nice linens. <laughs> for me to drop yes drop you know to replace the ones i soiled mm, drop well uh the music we're listening to this evening this tune is it is pitch dark by mc front a lot yeah awesome nerdcore rapper who uh will be joining us a little bit later for a quick interview uh also oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Don't that's you, totally don't you cool. Know about that? I can't yeah. wait for that. That's yeah, awesome. It's going to be fucking sweet. I think you will enjoy it thoroughly. Yeah. I'm certain he's going to have many sage and interesting things to say. Oh, yeah, dude. I got so much to say to that guy. I cannot wait. That's sweet. Great. We saw him down in the in San Diego. That's Comic-Con right. At, at AfterCon. Yeah. He put on a hell of a show. And I just yeah. saw him at PAX. He's a fabulous dancer. Yeah. So... Anyway, we've got MC Frontalot tonight for this big, glorious extravaganza. We're going to have a uh, special guest towards the end of the show. We've got some feedback. We're going to have my uh, kind of review and overview of the PAX 2009 convention and uh, the normal stuff, filthy jokes, multimedia triage. It's going to be a kick in the ass. It is. And speaking of ass, um, I didn't really solicit this, but apparently I'm now getting a bunch of traffic from the people at HeWearsPanties.com. I discovered that... Uh, <laughs> well, congratulations well, for you. That's, thank you. That's fantastic. So, if any of you guys are uh, listening to the show, new uh, HeWearsPanties.com listeners, welcome. I, I'm not wearing panties. At, at this juncture, but you're you're all welcome here. Whatever makes you feel comfortable, that's your thing. Go ahead, listen. We it, it's all right. <laughs> Are you wearing panties for this, Steve? Uh, I am not, but hmm. uh, you know the night is young. Yeah, well, no one is wearing <laughs> panties so far. So how did how did you get hooked into the the hewearspanties.com website? Well, you did know, you, did like... you actively solicit that? <laughs> no, I I can't say that I did. I just noticed, you know, I keep track of where I get hits from, where the traffic to MightyWombat.com is coming from. And this this new site that I hadn't seen on the list popped up before. And it was HeWearsPanties.com. So not being a panty wearer myself, I was curious. And it's, it's not a porn site. It was like a, uh, like a blog for and about guys that uh, like to wear lacy underthings. And they, they'd reached one of my cartoons the one about the uh, minister or the priest, whatever, that uh, puts uh, dresses on his cross at the front of the church. You know, he's a cross dresser. That was the, the joke of the cartoon. But apparently uh, <laughs> they like that, too. Well, uh, congratulations on the exposure. <laughs> Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. So, dude, what pisses you off this week? Dude, what pisses me off? I'll tell you what pisses It's who. It's who pisses me off. 
go, I'm going to the store, and Nugget and Davis has got this really weird entrance, like the main big entrance that you would expect in a supermarket. But then the produce section, which is this long, thin alley, is directly in front of you. Or you make an immediate hard 90 degree left to go into the main part of the supermarket. So hold on. In Davis, California, they name grocery stores Nugget? It's a chain. It's a Northern California chain. Great stores. <laughs> That's kind of weird. I've never heard of it. There's absolutely nothing food-esque about Nugget. California is the golden state. We have a proud heritage of gold mining. Gold comes in Nugget form, I guess. <laughs> oh, Okay. It's also slang for large chunk of marijuana, so <laughs> maybe that's it. Don't know. Okay. As, no, uh, anyway, as you were. Sorry about that. Anyway, Nugget, Nugget Supermarkets. Actually rated by uh, Forbes as one of the top 100 places in America to work. That's fantastic. Anyway, as you were saying. <laughs> now, you're pissing me off. I'm trying to tell a story <laughs> So we, we go into the store, but we're like to get into the store, we're stuck behind this enormous ass. This woman, she's kind of a chubby woman, but she's got this gigantic, like two pumpkins stuck together ass in this tomato red sweatpants thing that's just absolutely straining at the seams. And she's pushing the extended stretch limo shopping cart, the kind that has the two extra kid seats like welded into the middle of it. So her ass takes up an enormous amount of room on one axis, and then the cart takes up an enormous amount of room on the other axis. And she's she's got two kids in the cart, and she's just, no matter where I step, she's right there in front of me. And I can't get around her, and she goes in the store... And then she sees the food samples there in the produce section. Because they're produce, she ignores them. But her kids start going nuts. Like, oh, we want to try the watermelon. We want to stop. And so she kind of slews the cart sideways and completely blocks the entrance and egress to the store so she can have an argument with her children. And so between her cart and her giant fat tomato red ass, no one can get out of the store. No one could get into the store, and it's busy. There's, like, all these people piling up trying to get out, and everyone's, like, being polite by not saying anything or pushing the cart out of the way or anything. And people trying to get in, and it's just, like, this this traffic jam just immediately. Like, and and I, I finally, I'm, like, right right there, and I finally end up grabbing her cart and just, just gently pushing it 90 degrees so she's no longer blocking everything. And she does one of these big, oh, my, well, my goodness. Like, she's offended and surprised. And, it's, you know, people, you can be fat. You can have a car, a big cart. You can bring your kids into the store. But just have some sort of situational awareness. Be aware of the space you're taking up. Because you're, you're, you're messing everybody up with your being in the wayness. And it's pissing me off. Well, just, I, I don't know that that's necessarily something that, you know, it was because of her size. No, there, there, are folk, there are folks who's, who park their cart crossways in Trader Joe's all the time and they come in all shapes and sizes i think that's just idiocy that has has nothing to do it just happened to be coincidental that she was large yeah it just took up extra space just like her extra large cart took up extra space it made a problem that i have with other people worse in her case but yeah the people that do that the people that take one step into the store through the automatic sliding doors and then stop like oh they're whoa hey i'm inside a store oh holy well look at all this and so everyone behind them has to like you know hit the brakes and not go running into them yeah just move move along be aware of your surroundings people yeah get out of my way 
Yeah, I, I agree. Move your shit. You're pissing me off. What pisses you off? You know, I don't usually get political with these things. No, but there's job. there's been a couple of political things lately that have kind of just had me quietly see things beneath the surface. Uh, the the first off thing, see thing, see thing. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, the uh, the Obama uh, address to school children that was supposed that to happen last off? week. The fact that well, no, I mean our school uh, didn't allow it. They didn't show what? it to the kids. Are you in a public school? Yeah. So a public school is not showing an address of the president of the United States. Exactly. I mean, and, and yeah, and so, you know, I was kind of reading the articles about how, you know, many conservatives were enraged over this. And uh, the, this one uh, Minnesota governor, Tim Pawlenty, said, at a minimum, it's disruptive. Number two, it's uninvited. And number three, if people would like to hear the message they can on a voluntary basis, go to YouTube or some other source and get it. I don't think he needs to force it upon the nation's school children. Well, you asshole. The, a lot of kids don't necessarily have a computer at home to watch it on YouTube. You fucking let them keep, eat cake jerk off. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, what kind of fucking narrow view is that shit? Yeah, and, and then you know, in here, Florida GOP chairman Jim Greer said that he found uh, using taxpayer money to indoctrinate children appalling. Like, I, I don't know what people thought he was going to say in this thing to find this so so uh, objectionable. You was I mean, going to say all children must have a lesbian, homosexual, well, that, that's uh, satanic my point. abortion. He's he's coming forth to the children, to the school kids, to say stay in school, work hard, do your best, things like that. It's going to be low key. There is no president who's going to say anything more than that. Presidents George Bush are fucking even attempted idiots. to read my pet goat to some school kids. Once. Exactly. No one cared about that. So you know that I assure you. Right wingers, there is nothing that was going to be in that speech that was going to turn your kids liberal or gay or black for that matter. <laughs> so what the fuck? And it's just it's this whole level of kind of disrespect in the public discourse. You, you know, and I mean, this is from the party that brought us such role models as fucking Mike Duvall, John Ensign, Mark Sanford, or this Joe Wilson prick, right? Yeah, he's yeah, the, the guy who yells, you lie, lunatic. you lie in Congress. And, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, Obama should have went Orenishi on his ass the minute those words came out of his lips. <laughs> he should have jumped up on the, on the table, whipped out a katana, and lopped his fucking head off. And then turned to Congress and said, anybody else have anything to say about it? Now's the fucking time. <laughs> That's yeah, exactly man. what should have happened there. Because there's, there's no fucking respect in the public discourse, and that's why shit does not get done in this country. Yeah, people are just more interested in uh, screaming more Sound offensively bites. than the last guy and getting noticed than actually doing anything. But that accomplishes fucking nothing, ever. You know, it, it, we're not paying you to do that shit. And, it, you know, you've got your Rush Limbaugh's, your Ann Coulter's, all these people, and it's not just right-wing either. Al Franken's of the world do, do the same thing. But it's... It's all just kind of spouting off bullshit, and then there's there's no actual thought behind it. Okay, here's what we can do to try to fix some things. If he's no, yelling, you yelling. lie. Yeah, if this guy is yelling, you lie in Congress, he's not working on fixing things. He's not in the mindset to be collaborative. And that fucking pisses me off. Douchebags. I said it. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm glad you said that, because I had actually thought about kind of going down that path for my political rant, and, and I didn't. 
And I didn't need to. Look, you're right there, on, man. But my my unnamed political rant all springs from Bank of America, my my nemesis, the the bank that I ended up closing all of my personal accounts in. And I still haven't managed to get my business partner to close our corporate account in B of A because we can't find another place to put do our banking that isn't equally diabolic and incompetent. But a real simple thing. I just had a real simple issue. I needed to call Bank of America to deal with this real simple ass thing. You know what? You can't call Bank of America. It can't be done. You call the phone number, any Bank of America phone number, even for the local branch, and you get transferred to this this recording that tells you that uh, after it pushes you through 85 different phone trees to try to get you to do the pre-recorded crap, it tells you, you know, you're going to be off on hold. And oh, by the way, operators are kind of busy. And there's a hold time of, of up to three minutes. Yeah, 20 minutes later, I'm still sitting on the phone listening to the recording talk about how efficient they are. I'm, I'm sick of it. I mean, this is a... <laughs> This is an institution that is national. It's a big deal. And they can't even do the simplest thing of, like, allow a customer to speak to a goddamn human being employee of the bank. It can't be done. They can't do that. And here's where the political part comes in, I guess, is that I keep hearing this argument that, oh, we have to pay the executives these insane bongo brain amounts of money in order to keep the top talent because that's the only way things are going to work. And it doesn't matter if you're talking about a university chancellor or a high foo-foo douchebag of Bank of America, they get paid by the dump truck full of platinum. And for what? I mean, seriously, how much are the executives of Bank of America getting paid and they're not even bright enough to figure out a way for their customers to talk to the employees? It's just something, stockholder revolt, I don't know, pitchforks and torches, <laughs> something has got to change because that, that's bullshit. It's not like, the, the whole argument is bullshit. I like and the if, pitchforks and torches idea. That's I, I do too. <laughs> if everyone stopped offering these, these premium packages to the pinnacle positions, you know what? They would still get the job done. If, if you said... Oh, I can't pay you $80 million this year for the job. I can only pay you $5 million for the job. What's the guy going to do? Oh, go somewhere else? No, I don't think so. Yeah. The reason companies are going ass out broke is because they're doing dumb shit like that. Can't talk to the bank, but they can figure out a way to pay their executives. God, fuck, I hate everyone. I especially hate... You, Bank of America. If the CEO from Bank of America would like to call me personally and discuss this issue, be my guest, sir. I'd like to do it live on the Bone Bat Show. <laughs> I'd like to see that, like just a, a mono e mono beatdown between you and the CEO of Bank of America. Oh, God, I would love that. <laughs> I would love to listen to any one of these guys actually have a conversation with why they're worth as much as they are. So, no, explain it to me. I'm just a schlub, but... You make so much goddamn money that you must be so brilliant you can explain why you're worth it. And and listen to them explain in their own words why they're worth it. Because they're not. No. Wow. Nice rant. Thanks. So, so yeah, that's me. I'm Gordon. Dude, do, do, do people have trouble with your name? 
You know, not he, really. I mean, a little bit my last name, Holitz. Uh, it's people, you know, read it and I'll, I'll get a Holitz or a Holer. You know, I'll, they'll mispronounce Holla. it, but beyond that, not, you know, not a lot. People it, cannot deal with Gordon. I'm holding in my hand a note, a, a, an appointment card from my dentist. And it's G-O-R-D-A-N, written right on there. <laughs> my dentist, who's got my insurance information, my credit card information, right there. G-O-R-D-A. Why can't people spell Gordon? G-O-R-D-O-N. It's not not that goddamn tough. I, I do not know. That seems like and, it'd be pretty straightforward. Yeah. People that have my professional email address, you know, Gordon at blah, blah, blah. It's G-O-R. I mean, they'll, they'll type that address in, and then they'll address the email, Dear Gordan, and they'll fuck up my first name. Why Why is that? And it's it's a weird name. I mean, Gordon Calkins is kind of kind of a big flipping mouthful, but Americans can't deal with Gordon. I say my name's Gordon. They say, oh, Gordy or Corey or you know, Canadians. They're fine. I say... My name's Gordon. They say, oh, hey, Gord. It's like the most natural thing in the world. Americans, not so much. And you get down in Mexico, and I think they take one look at my name, and they, they just see that it's some sort of a, a, a phonetic train wreck looking back at them, like like us trying to pronounce Wally Zerbiak, you know, looking at it. <laughs> it just, they, they go, they call me Mr. Gordon. And that's cool. I mean, Christ, I, I'm, I'm fine with that. God, can you imagine trying to pronounce? Look at Calkins. Try to pronounce that if you're speaking Spanish. That, that's a mess. <laughs> but then you go to Guatemala. The Guatemalans I've run into, they have absolutely no pro- no problem with Gordon Calkins. I'm, I'm not mis- I'm not Mr. Gordon. I'm, I'm Gordon or I'm Mr. Calkins. They have, they have zero problem. They're right next door to each other. They're both speaking Spanish. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that. <laughs> that's bizarre, dude. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's you know, maybe it's like East Coasters trying to pronounce Oregon, <laughs> Oregon. Yeah, it's they never get that shit right. If you're like east of the Mississippi, it's Oregon, and the, there's yeah. no convincing them otherwise. Yeah, like, and then we try to say Wooster, Worcester, <laughs> Worcestershire. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> so are you con- are you confused with another Steve Holitz? Is there a Steve Holitz out there that people go, "Oh, are you that Steve Holitz? You know, there is another Steve Holitz that that I'm aware of. He's like some kind of a financial guy out there somewhere in the world. But I, as far as I know, he doesn't do dick jokes on the internet. So there's really no <laughs> there's no confusion between the two of us. Yeah, there's there's another Gordon Calkins who was a a camp counselor down in Florida. Assume he didn't molest camp the campers. No one's ever come after me, but. <laughs> You know, Calkins is kind of like Holitz. There's just not a whole bunch of us out there. Right. And then, you know, we, people do occasionally run into other Gordons, and they go, oh, are you that Gordon? Like a certain fetish website on the internet, <laughs> which you pointed out to me at one point. Uh, Moose pointed out to me at one point. I think just about everyone at some point goes, ah, have you seen this? And uh, no, I'm not that guy. It's uh, <laughs> House of Gord. I don't know if it's .com or .net. It's an old site. It's probably houseofgord.com. Really crazy fetish stuff. I just don't get. I became aware of it when someone pointed it out to me, and it was like people that dress up in these rubber horse costumes and get their jollies from that, which makes wearing panties seem completely normal. If you So it's like the, op- it. the opposite of furries. It's like slickies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Horsies. Slicky horsies. <laughs> yeah. have, you, have you seen that stuff? They're like no, vinyl. I have, I have not seen that stuff, but, uh, you know, there's, <laughs> there's a lot of interesting things on the internet, I hear tell. Yeah, the internet is a crazy, crazy place. <laughs> I guarantee you, if you have a fetish, it's on the internet. Yeah, absolutely. You cannot think of a fetish that's not on the internet somewhere. <laughs> I mean, we all know about the furries thing. People like to dress up like stuffed animals, which is insane. But I saw a thing for centaurs. Like there's a whole <laughs> centaur thing. I don't know if it's like two guys in one costume or if you make a costume that's like got the extra legs. Are you even supposed to call it a costume? It's probably got like a special fetish name. Like It, it probably does. Like, like a your rig or something. <laughs> Uniform. Yeah, except they're all different. I don't know. If anyone is a furry or a centaur, if anyone is into this, I want to know. I want to know what the the costume outfit thing is called. Is there a special word for it? It's funny how furries always appear on podcasts all the time. There's always like like this area of interest. It's like so... it's so insane. It's it's almost offensive, right? Like honestly, if you're into furries or whatever, I don't give a shit. Just don't. It, I don't care really. But I hear about it, and it kind of gets my dander up. Like Jesus, what the hell is wrong with you? Seriously, that's a lot of effort to go to to get your jollies. <laughs> and the dry cleaning bills alone. Oh my god, it <laughs> must make it cost prohibitive. I, I don't know. You probably like me. You're probably pretty boring when it comes to like fetishes and stuff. I just I don't. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you know, it's it's a man. Do you a, get that? A man, is there, is there... a woman, a clown suit? You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> An audience. <laughs> Ball gag. Beyond Seriously, that, yeah. Anything that involves any kind of extra clothing, especially extra. Expensive clothing. Well, yeah, that doesn't make a lick of sense because I'm constantly trying to get out of my clothing. Yeah, I've got a naked fetish. Yeah, exactly. That's that's I'm I'm with you on that. Well, not too Even, with you because that would be <laughs> not like yeah. <laughs> Although enjoy the new linens I got you. Oh, They're, thank you. I appreciate. That. I was gonna get your rubber ones, but it's our cotton anniversary. <laughs> cool. Rubber sheets. Have you ever like been on a rubber sheet? No, I haven't. Me neither. I would think that'd be uncomfortable. I don't know. Couldn't say. I'm not really into. I don't know. I'm just not into any game. Weird. Other. You know. How about fucking? Are you into fucking? I'm into. Yeah. (laughs) Well, there you go. You're into something. But not like fucking feet. (laughs) Uh, You know, anything that comes out. You know, the whole yucky pee pee poo poo. Keep it. Keep it away. It's oogie. (laughs) Nothing oogie. Have we we even started this podcast? Yeah, it's been going a while now. So, hey, uh, speaking of, uh, you know, the anniversary and things that are yucky, we have a voicemail <laughs> from our friend Vaughn at Motion oh, Jesus. Picture Massacre. Uh, he called in with an, an epic opus, uh, just an incredible voicemail. I can say no more about it. Let, let's just go to the voicemail. We're going to come back with an MC Frontalot tune called the Penny Arcade theme, and then we're going to get into a little uh, PAX action. So, uh Take it away, Vaughn. There's there's a guy that's got a fetish, you know. He probably <laughs> likes to dress up like a postman and play special delivery. <laughs> Here you go. Here's Vaughn. Ah, so, Steve and Cord, you're uh, hitting another year. Yay. Fucking whoopee. Like, I didn't think you guys were going to not hit another fucking year. Two years down, hopefully thousands to go. 
Hopefully you'll uh, continue doing this after everybody else has given up on the ghost of uh, podcasting, thinking that they can make fucking money from it and whatnot. And all the other fucking, you know, jokers like myself have given up and done anything. Oh, by the way, this is Vaughn. Um, recording something for you guys for your two-year anniversary. Congratulations. Like I said, I hope there's more fucking years. I hope it continues forever. Until, like, you know, Steve dies and no, and his wife doesn't know how to set up the fucking equipment. No offense to you, Steve, but, you know, if you were dead, it's over. That's all I have to say. The only way the show seems going to end is either that or you guys break up as being friends. Oh, hello. Mutual life partner, uh, Gord. How are you? Uh... You know, it's been fun trying to listen to you guys for the last year. I started listening to you guys uh, right after your first year, first year anniversary show, because um, people were playing your promo, and you know, usually I'm kind of a gullible ass. Well, I'll check a show out. I'll usually listen to one show, like the first, the, lo- the the latest show, and if I really like them, I'll go back and listen to other shows. And I've done that with you guys, I'm going back and listening to your shows, and you've gotten better from the beginning to now. You know, even the fact that you know the last what four shows have been strictly like road shows. Except for, like, one where you guys were together, like, via Skype and whatnot you were doing. That's really cool. Um, I like how the evolution of the show and and the fact that you guys were considered a horror podcast uh, a couple months back by another, uh, I thought was reparable uh, podcast um, who talks, that is a, is a, you know, a well-known local, a well-known uh, horror podcast that everybody seems to look up to. Um, yeah, and you now are in the same realm as... As, um, who else? Um, Drunken Zombie? Yeah, that's around with those, that, that kind of uh, group of, of horror podcasts. Yeah, like Drunken Zombie. I don't know, there's other ones? I don't know. I don't listen to any other horror podcast. I listen to a whole bunch of movie podcasts. So I listen to those douchebags at, uh, in, Ute, in uh, Utah. But uh, I don't want to plug their fucking shit. They can eat my dick. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, I tried to explain your show to somebody a couple weeks ago, actually, because they were looking into, you know, one, listen to comedy podcasts, and I was like, you know, I listened to this one from, uh, it's, you know, a co- it's, a, it's a joint podcast from California and, and Seattle, and they, uh, you know, they're both good friends, they've known each other for a long fucking time, and they're really funny, and they try, and they explained it to me, I'm like, well, you ever see, uh, TJ Hooker? And they're like, uh, yeah? And I'm like, well... The one guy, Gore, the guy from California, is like T.J. Hooker. And the guy, Steve, who's from Seattle, is like amalgamation of the, the chick and the other guy that was part of his little group of, uh, you know, that kept him in line and shit. But, you know, T.J. was the one you came to see, and you and he had most of the fucking good lines. You know, that's how I put it. I mean, I was trying to bag, I wasn't trying to bag on you, Steve, but in all reality, you know, Gord gets the political rant. Gord goes off a little longer than you do normally on shit. He seems a little more angrier than you do sometimes. He gets be- he has better dirty jokes every once in a while, even though I think the last one you did was pretty good. But mostly, you know, he's the smart and sassy one, and you're the uh, the smart. Well, yeah, he's and you're the smart nerdy one who knows how to fucking set all this shit up and fucking get it up online and doody doo doo and get it all out there so all of us can chuckle and yuckle and sh- be like idiots when we hear when you hear your show whenever the hell it fucking comes out. Well, every three weeks or whatever the hell it is. You know, but like that's the thing. You know, and I, 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 you know, I have stuff against Gord. I every time I play with you guys on Left 4 Dead, I, I, I hope 
to be on the opposite Tina Gord so I can actually get him. But for that sneaky son of a bitch, he always gets away from me and usually shoots me in the face when I'm a zombie. And the only reason, another reason I really like doing Left 4 Dead with you guys is I get to kill Brenda and Derek every once in a while. That's fun. I mean, I love playing with you guys, and I love getting to kill Steve every once in a while because it's just a good fucking time because he's, he's just dopey roaming around like, oh, look, there's my team. Ah, fucking get attacked. You know, it's awesome. I mean, he's gotten better. He's just as good as I am, and I'm a shitty fucking player. He's twice as good as I am. Um, but it's always nice to kill Derek and Brenda every once in a while on that game. You know? And for the most part. I mean, it's really cool to get to get the gourd, but you fucking sneaky son of a bitch. Like, he plays it all the fucking time, but when I see him on fucking on Xbox, he's playing Puzzle Quest or something. It's like, what the fuck? <laughs> anyway, um, you know, you fuckers have been uh, really kind of entertaining me for the last couple of times. And when I did get into your show, I kind of had to give up some shows, and I was going to give them up anyway because they were fucking getting annoying. And, you know, the shit that they were talking about was really just not interesting me anymore. And you guys really started to bring it up. And, and you know, it's nice to hear that I get, you know, I get emails every once in a while from Steve, you know, because he actually listens to my show, which is cool. Um, I got a plug from Gord on his website, which is really kick-ass, because I know people actually go and check out his website, so it was really cool. You know, I thought we were friends, Steve. You know, I thought we, I was, you know, I checked the link page one week, and I was there, and then I checked back, and I'm not there anymore, and it's like, uh, okay. You know, I, I know where it is, you know, but I'll still keep you on my friends, you know, on my on my page as a friend of the show, because you are. You know, we occasionally bullshit, and you occasionally have some fun things to say, but whatever, I can understand, man. You know, I know I'm not I'm not good enough for the links page on your website, but whatever, it's no biggie. Yeah, uh, I think I'm I think I'm finished. I think I'm done ranting and raving. I hope you guys continue this fucking shit. I I hope that your two year show isn't just a fucking clip show of people fucking coming in and jerking you off with praise on how great your fucking show is and this and that and the other bullshit. So besides all fucking that, I. I wish you guys many more shows. I uh, hope for a handful more years. Like I said, I hope until it happens to like either you guys break up as friends or Steve dies. Because I don't think the show would continue without Steve dying. Because I don't think, no offense to Ska Mama, I don't think she'd fucking be able to figure out how to, his fucking get up of fucking tubes and pipes and fucking wires and shit that he's got in that room where he's able to somehow pump out a show every three weeks. That's why, no, that's why it takes so fucking long. It's like fucking, it's like a, it's like the fans with the opera's fucking organ. That's how fucking crazy fucking Steve's uh, ghetto get up is set up for his computer. He got it. You can't hit this pool or this or like it's um who else? A uh, Doctor Fives fucking Doctor Fives is fucking uh organ. It's all fucking pulleys and fucking marionette puppets and fucking all this kind of crazy fucking shit. And you touch one thing and blows up and fucking or you get attacked by boulders or wasps or some sh- fucking pharaohistic fucking. You know, or or it's like a, one of the, the plagues fucking comes at you if you hit the wrong tube. It's like, what the fuck? So it's, you know, so I can understand why the show would never continue if, if Steve uh, had an untimely death. Um, <laughs> besides all that, I hope this rambling, incoherent mess of a uh, congratulations uh, gets to you guys on time. Um, I know you guys kind of record in the week and then edit throughout the week and then get it released on a Sunday. I don't know. I fucking don't edit shit. I, I just get it out as fast as I fucking can. Busy little boy, you know what I mean? Uh, this is going to be a fucking horror show. I hope you guys enjoy this. I hope more years and I hope I can't wait to fucking hear the show. What else can I fucking say? That's it. This is one, like always, fucking rambling. 
And I'll talk to you fuckers uh, maybe next week. Or the next time you do a show. Who knows? Fuck it. Goodbye. Ah, the phone's ringing. Fuck. Now, let's begin to type some words. Word. Word. Yo, when I hit it, I hit L shift O to the quote and then dollar. If you know the dir of the nerdcore rhyme, you holler. I hit L shift O to the quote and then dollar. If you know the dir of the nerdcore rhyme, you holler. I hit L shift O to the quote and then dollar. If you know the dir of the nerdcore rhyme, you holler. Nerd ho! Warm the mic up. Yo, we bout to strike up. This band of nebuchadnezzar to cultivate nebulous fetishes. The FPS, RPG, or MM called in the obsession to blather over my blog or BBS. Step and possess, home thy geekishness. Your frame rate and frags today both impress. And yes, your affinity for a certain site of some amusement. A classically adorned parlor, a fun where you let loose pent up set pieces to partake of flicker dramas. Get you branded a sniper, bitch, or rocket mama humper. Damn. Dude, they said you're cheating, but with coins in hand, you got more game than Will Wheaton. When's the MC bout to get funny? I'm losing patience. Wanna know how the pants contain one wang and two neck stations in a Tandy Hall where he plays whack-a-mole with the toilet paper. Front a lot, can rock the PA song at the lowest common denominator. Not as a hater of culture or a lacquer in class, but an expert at math. Accounting how the penny arcade owns your ass. Hell, Wasn't that sweet? Oh my god! So I'm I'm like TJ Hooker. <laughs> yeah, what, what the fuck is that? And, and I'm some odd cross between Adrian's Med and Heather Locklear. What the you must fuck? Have fabulous hair. I I, I I do look hot. You know, I <laughs> Heather Locklear though. I mean, fuck. At the time, oh god, good you lord. Know, I, I bet she's she was eight, part of the well, triumvirate of women. Her. Heather Thomas from The Fall Guy and Linda Carter, that the, the three of them should have been locked up for the amount of sock abuse that I did. <laughs> Literally, those three women, my lord. Yeah. Anyway, but but what the fuck is that? You get to be T.J. Hooker. Now, I, you know. I am. And you know what? I'm, I'm an immortal T.J. Hooker. Did you hear him? He's worried... About you dying. He's, he's I know. Concerned. He is worried about it. I'm not, not all that comfortable with how he's kind of shuffling me off the mortal coil podcast-wise. But uh. <laughs> That was the worst abuse of William Shakespeare I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, uh, when it comes to Left for Dead, it's always fun to play with Vaughn. But I, I'm sure that Derek and Bren love it shooting you, Vaughn, just as much as you like shooting them. 
And I do enjoy shooting Vaughn in the face, but what? What? I'm a sneaky. What did he call me? A sneaky bastard? Something like that. Yeah. And then he he says like within two, you know, back to back, he says I play the game all the time, like I get some sort of advantage. That's not true. I only play it on Tuesdays with you guys. And then he says, but every time he goes online, he sees me playing something like Puzzle Quest, which well, is you, embarrassing. You know, a, but it's actually a conversation true. with Vaughn is like watching somebody fall down the stairs in slow motion. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> While you're on acid, right? Well, I can guarantee you, I am no better at Left 4 Dead, so I think you were a little off base there. Fantastic call! Thank you so much, Vaughn. We appreciate the kind words and uh, the fact that you've listened this far, and please continue to do so. Yeah, unless Steve dies. Yes, in which case you can stop, because yeah, Gordon doesn't know how to work shit. No, and we're going to leave any discussions how to work your organ completely out of this. <laughs> yeah, who gets that? I'm not sure. I'm going to have to check my will. <laughs> so uh, the Penny Arcade Expo took place over Labor Day weekend here in Seattle. And uh, for, for folks who aren't familiar with PAX, uh, it, it's kind of a big video game convention, but it, it, in a lot of ways it's more than that. It has yeah, now this- they were originally going to have this thing in Tampa, but they chose Seattle <laughs> instead because they just didn't want it to be called Tampax. Tampa Pax, yeah. That's Sorry, really... I just thought of that joke. It really wasn't very funny, was it? No, it was, that was atrocious. All right, go on. But the, the interesting about because this year I've been to, I went to Crypticon, I went to San Diego Comic-Con, and I've been to this. And while all three were great cons, Pax had like this different sort of a subcultural vibe to it that the other two didn't. That I, I found kind of really educational and intriguing. Were there guys there offering free hugs? No, there weren't. I, I didn't see much ah, of that. That's, that's points. And, in, and in, in comparison to Comic-Con, the uh, cosplay was seriously down. Well, not like you see at Comic-Con. That, that's a whole different animal. Yeah, was it a greater percentage of people, though? Because I imagine PAX is you know, smallish in terms of numbers compared to Comic-Con. You know, but it was it was it was more manageable. It's a smaller venue here, the Washington State Convention Center, so it was easier to get around. You could see everything, and it didn't take you a half hour to get from room to room. So uh, definitely more manageable, but a lot of great stuff to look at. And I mean, I, I didn't go the full three days; I went two days, and I still didn't see everything that I, I would have liked to. So, oh, really? Is that big? That's yeah, cool. yeah. It, it was really cool. So the first day, uh, I get there, and uh, the the press could get in a, a, like an hour and a half early on Friday, and it so still I kills immediately me press. <laughs> I know, uh, and I made it. Uh, I immediately went to Left 4 Dead too. Had to play some more of that, and uh, the game is looking really sweet. Uh, the the level we got to play was called Dark Carnival, and I, I think the uh, tagline for it is "You have to be this high to die." <laughs> And uh, so you, you like start on this turnpike, and you, you kind of go down in a ways. You go through this big, sprawling apartment building, and then you come up uh, kind of through a swamp. And it's interesting because there's kind of some different uh, uh, steep downhill physics in the game that I don't think is in Left 4 Dead 1. So there's yeah, these like long embankments where you can kind of slide down them. And then when you get into the carnival itself... Like some of the rides are, are playable, and one of them is you know that kind of big slide thing that you would sit on burlap sacks to slide down. Yeah, there's one of those, and you can actually slide down it on your feet. And I and what at one point I actually slid down that thing with a tank chasing me. 
Oh wow! It was it was freaking insane. So it's pretty cool, like the different physical stuff. Um, and there's killer clowns in it too. Yeah, yeah. There's zombie clowns, which are absolutely freaky. Also, new infected uh, is called the jockey. And this guy will he like scrabbles along on the ground, kind of scurrying, and he jumps up and he gets on your head. And if he gets a hold of you, he will actually steer you into trouble. Oh, that's nice. And you lose control of your character until one of your teammates comes and shoots him off of your head. And you've got the spitter, which we talked about from Comic-Con, who spits acid. But what she'll do is she'll actually, like, spit the acid in between you and your teammates to, to separate you. Ooh, culling you out. Yeah. And so there, there, there's kind of a, you know, with a jockey working to kind of peel you away and the spitter working, there's, there's kind of a different sort of a diabolical angle that the infected are using, which is pretty badass. Divide so, and conquer. Yeah, it's, it's going to make it definitely more of a challenge. And then uh, I, I got to use some of the, uh, the new melee weapons. I used an electric yeah. guitar. Which you, you, you swing it around and it, it kills zombies pretty decent. It's not like just using the butt of your rifle. And uh, it, yeah, when you hit stuff with it, it makes like this sound from those strings. It's pretty cool. I didn't get to use the katana, but I saw another guy, and that that's pretty awesome too. And then uh, the the rest of the machine guns are, are great and stuff. So it seems like a lot of fun. Really enjoyed the level, and this level was. It seemed like it was a little better than. Uh, the level that we played at Comic Con, it was a little more fun. So yeah, well, it's a problem. There's more to it. I'm sure. Yeah, they, they put with more the carnival and stuff. Time to work. So yeah, I, I I'm definitely looking forward to it. It's going to be great. I played I played twice and I did not get finish a level once. Oh, just like in real life. Just like it. Yeah, but you know the whole team got smoked like three quarters of the way in both times. Yeah, Steve. Anytime you play that game, your team gets smoked. That's not true. The last time we played, I was on the winning team both both sessions. Yeah, but that's the exception. So rather suck than it. <laughs> so let's see. What else did I check out? So I, I know that you were anxious to see Blur, and I, yeah. I kind of checked into that. Unfortunately, Activision did not present at the show. So Modern Warfare 2 was not there. Blur Jeez. was not there. Now, I, I understand after the fact that Blur was somewhere uh, that I heard from a publicist, but I never actually saw it on the floor. But I did see a different awesome driving game called Split Second. Yeah. Now, now thinking back to Left 4 Dead, you know at the end of Dead Air when the airplane comes crashing down on you across the tarmac? Yeah. Imagine driving underneath that at high speed. That sounds pretty hairy. Split Second was so much fun. You, you, you well, do kind of laps. Was it easy to drive? It I was mean, easy was... to drive, and it was fine. I mean, it was a little bit, you know, you have to kind of finesse it. it. It's not super easy arcade but it, but it had just some neat stuff. Like, you'd, you'd go turn around this course. It was through an airport area. And each time, like, you could unlock, on each pass, you could unlock detours. So you oh, could, like, funny. cut through a hangar, and you're, like, dodging around baggage handler carts and shit. And then you, on the last lap, you come down this plane just barreling down on you. And you end up whizzing through this wall of fire. It was so much fun. I like to whiz through a wall of fire. That's always a good time. That sounds entertaining, doesn't it? So, yeah, yeah. it's a, definitely a game I think you would really dig. Because it has, I mean, you played like a little bit of Burnout and stuff like that, right? Yeah. So it yeah, has that sort really of fun. crazy fun to it, but with a little more driving. And so I, I just I thought it was pretty damn neat, and I'm not a huge racing guy, 
uh, played a little more Dante's Inferno. I still love that game. You were totally right, though. It is that is how it's going to be. It's kind of going to be on a rail. Yeah, and it's going to pop up with you know when you have to hit the button for a quick time event. And I also played a little bit of God of War three, and God of War three is exactly the same. So Dante's Inferno is basically kind of a, a, a knockoff with better graphics, I think, of God of War. And instead of the Greek uh, theme, you've got the hell theme. But I still think I'm going to pick it up. I enjoy playing it, but you were absolutely right about the fact that it's, you're kind of steered through the thing. And what saves it, though, I think, is that the combat's pretty fun. All right. But, yep. yeah, enjoy. I, 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 get, you, I get your point. Honest to me. Um, got, I played a little more Game 3 from the Behemoth folks. That was awesome. Nice. Uh, StarCraft 2, I got to get my hands on and play a level of that for about 20 minutes. And, you know, we, we got a lot of mileage out of StarCraft. Yeah, that was a did. game we had in heavy rotation for like two years where we were playing that all the time. And you even won once. Remember that time you won? <laughs> yeah, thanks. Uh, but the thing is, you know, this game, it was fun. It was great. But it's it's kind of like Duke Nukem. It doesn't seem like it's really. This is seven years later or whatever. And that's the game. The graphics aren't that much better. What has taken this thing so long? And I asked the hmm. guy about it. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's not going to be out until next year. And then that is only like the Terran mission. So they're breaking the game into three parts. It's going to be the the first part of it will be the the human point of view. The second part of it will be the Zerg point of view, and the third part of it will be the Protoss point of view. It sounds like they're just trying to get a whole new generation of gamers. Like you weren't even born when this came out, so right. Check it but out. I mean, you know, it, it's still the the build resources, do the missions. It, the graphics are better, but marginally so. It's not changing the planet. I just I don't understand what's taking this game so long. It kind of falls into the George R. R. Martin, you know, list of fucking finish it already. What are we waiting for? I just it's a little bit frustrating for me because I I just don't see why I'm not finished with this game yet. Yeah, maybe you are. Maybe it's time to move on. And yeah, I mean, I'm totally going to buy it. I'm totally going to play it. But I, yeah, just it, I, I have no idea why it's taking so long. So the, the, the kind of the buzz games of the show that everybody was talking about, Scribblenauts for the DS, which I actually just picked up this morning, so I'll talk about a little bit about that in triage. Uh, that game, looks brilliant. A game called Borderlands. That also looks brilliant. The Borderlands, I didn't get near that thing. There was a line around the corner, and everybody was talking about it in the different panels and stuff. So I, I think that could be definitely one to check out. Um, ODST for Halo. Uh, I went to a panel for that, and I'll, I'll touch on that in a second. Uh, Mass Effect 2, everybody's talking about that. And I never played the first one, so I'm I, you know, not too familiar. Also, Assassin's Creed 2, uh, Need for Speed Shift, which also came out today. And a couple of indie games, one called Shank, which is kind of like a, sort of like Castle Crasher, sort of a setup. It's a walk-around beat-em-up, but with like, kind of like a biker guy. And one like he can have a knife or a sword or a chainsaw, and it's pretty gruesome. But it's it's painted, so it looked pretty badass. And, I, and it's I guess it's pretty early in the game. They don't really have a you know they're not signed to a, a distributor or anything yet. But it looks like that could be a lot of fun. And then uh, a, a game called Death Spank from Ron Gilbert, uh, which <laughs> which is kind of like uh, you you have these little guys and they roam around the world and they can attack and investigate and stuff like that. And like you can attack people with chickens and shit. It was just kind of silly. It's it's Ron Gilbert's like one of the original creators of Monkey Island, who we know of from before. 
And he was yes. also the keynote speaker of uh, PAX. And I went to that speech. That was very interesting to hear him. But the game looks like it's, it's kind of cool uh, 3D graphics. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There was another game kind of like that, too. It's called Fairy Tale Fighter. Have you heard of that one? Yes, I have. That Which, looks just plain silly. Yeah, it's it's silly. I can't believe it. And that's like, a, you know, it's that's not like a download for Xbox either. That's a real game. Oh, is it? I thought yeah. it would be like a $5 Xbox Live Arcade thing. Yeah, no. I think that's like a $50 buy it on CD sort of a deal. Jesus. So, I, yeah, I'm not sure about that. Because, you know, when you think about Castle Crashers, which was 10 bucks and awesome, 20 bucks, yeah. whatever it was. I don't know. That seems like I'd have to see a lot of value there. But people were talking about it, definitely. Anyway, so a couple panels I went to. uh, Halo ODST. That was pretty cool. (laughs) Now, did you know that what ODST stands for? No. Orbital Drop Shock Trooper. I I keep thinking, are they trained by Dick Van Dyke? (laughs) Drop, shock, and roll, spot, roll. You remember that commercial? (laughs) Not until just now. Thank you. (laughs) That was what I thought of when I heard drop shock troopers like what i think of old dirty bastard (laughs) there you go but uh odst i guess because so it goes into halo world but it's more of a film noir sort of a look so things are more kind of shadowy and there's sort of a mystery that goes on and you're you're you're, so you're you're doing combat as well but you're also kind of unlocking a mystery thing so it's they they consider it sort of a departure for the halo games but you know i I don't know it seemed kind of kind of cool but i i, I think I de- i'll definitely play it especially if i get it for a good price <clears throat> <Bit talk. laughs> but uh yeah uh, you know it's it seems it seemed cool the graphics the stuff that they showed were cool and the, the line again the line was too long i couldn't even get near that thing so yeah i don't know i think i've i think i'm kind of over halo I, i've had enough halo it's a good game and all and i don't know i'm but it's just not something. None of the Halo games or anything that I really have returned to and gone, oh yeah, Halo, this rides. I got better things to do with my time. <laughs> and then uh, the the guy who's doing the voice, I guess, of the main ODST guy is that uh, Nathan Fillion, who evidently I have a vague knowledge of who he is, but he's a hot property amongst the nerdarati. <laughs> All right. He was like on Firefly, and it, believe me, the nerds love them. Some Nathan Fillion. When his name was mentioned, you could hear chairs in the room getting moist. <laughs> All right. Well, in that well case, and, and you know, at PAX, you learn who people love, man, because people love Nathan Fillion, people love Felicia Day, but people love some fucking Will Wheaton. Oh yeah, the Wheaton is is much loved. My God, because, you know, I, I was like walking down the, the the line where the band guys are, and I went over to, to see MC Frontalot and pick up a CD from him. And, uh, you know, he's got a line like 10 people, and then Jonathan Colton is right there, and he's got like 30 people in his line. And there's this other huge line that's around the corner, and I'm like, who the fuck is... Oh, Will Wheaton. <laughs> I mean, he, he outlined everybody. He had such a turnout, so good for him. Oh, and then there's Josh Wheaton. I think all things Wheaton. I don't know. I'd rather... Who's Josh? I'd Wheaton? rather talk to Josh Wheaton. Isn't, didn't he do like Angel and uh, um, Doctor Horrible sing along blog and you know, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Did he? No, that's oh Josh Whedon. Josh, Whedon. Josh, that's, you know anyone that Josh sounds like Whedon. 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 That's funny because Nathan Fillion, I think, was on that Doctor Horrible thing too. So we come full circle in a minute. We have in one minute. <laughs> hey, I'm just ignorant enough to like tie it all together. <laughs> that was that was perfect. 
So uh, yeah, yeah, we'll see all what those else. Guys and then, are great or whatever, but I can't wait to do the interview with uh, with MC Front a lot. That's gonna when when are we doing that? Is it time to do that? No, it, pretty quick here. Uh, okay. So yeah, just talking a little bit about music at the show. So I went to the Friday night concert. It was kind of before that. Uh, I went to a couple of get-togethers. So uh, the sarcastic gamer folks were there, and they were doing a get-together. And I had never met like Doc and Lano and and that gang. So I went over to that, and I'm I'm walking down the street, and I hear like I see this big group of people that are around the street corner, right? Yeah. And so I, I walk up to it, and I kind of I look in, and there's a couple of these these kids. And they've got like a, a Behringer, about a third, 25, 30 watt amp sitting there on the corner, plugged into a car battery. And next to that is a mixer. And there's a number of wires coming out of it. And all of a sudden, they start playing like club music on an old Game Boy. Huh. Cool. It was really cool. And they were, you know, a bunch of people were kind of dancing. There were some girls dancing next to them and stuff. And it was just kind of this street concert. And I, I went and looked it up after the fact. And it's a group called Low Tech Resistance, and uh, there's a guy named Fighter X who lives in Seattle, and they they put on these kind of impromptu shows, and they've done this for a number of years at PAX. And this this kind of music, it's called chip tunes, and it's actually a genre of music where okay, where people right. will, will hack right. And so I, I go to the sarcastic gamer thing, and I meet with those guys. It was really awesome. It was cool to see Lano, Doc, and Dave, and Jax, and. Uh, 8-Bit Bass, and I mean, just a bunch of the guys that I, I've heard speak on the podcast. It was really fun. Had a beer and, and shot the shit with them a little bit. And then I, I had to go back to the concert. And so I go in there, and the first band is a band called Anamanaguchi. And yeah. what they are is they're a, a rock band that, that plays their, their music based around the melodies that come from a hacked NES, a Nintendo Entertainment System. And so the right music on. sounds kind of like like Weezer. It's very catchy and upbeat and poppy and kind of yeah. crunchy. But instead of vocals, it has like, you know, this tune that comes from a Nintendo. And it was really kind of cool. And again, it's chip tunes. And it just, it was, that's what I'm talking about at PAX. That there's like these things, like I, I was not at all familiar with the genre of music. And I'm seeing both kind of the polished professional version and then a street version of that music. And to you know, to be kind of exposed to new stuff like that for me, I, I just thought that was really fucking cool. Yeah, it's always good to get exposed to new stuff. There's always some new, very cool thing that people are doing, and you just don't know about it until you're finally there. Absolutely. And so then, then the band that followed them is a band called Metroid Metal. And so what they do is they take the music from all the Metroid, all the different <laughs> Metroid games, and they play heavy metal versions of them. Nice. And that was it. Was so much fun. They've got like the laser light show going on in the background, and you know they're just tearing it up. And that was a blast. And then MC Frontalot came on, and it was pretty funny. Again, Will Wheaton, man, the guy's a star. So at the start of the the show, uh, his band Frontalot's bandmates come out, and they go, "Um, I'm afraid that we're unable to find MC Frontalot this evening. So for the next hour and a half, you are going to be treated to Will Wheaton playing rock band." And so Will Wheaton comes out, and they, they throw up the rock band screen on two different things, and they start start playing what sounds very similar to Don't Stop Believin'. Yeah. And so he's playing along with it, and then MC Frontalot comes out and starts rapping the Penny Arcade theme to the Don't Stop Believin' 2. Oh, that's great. And it was absolutely badass. It was so cool. And so then, uh, you know, he, he played just a great show, uh, definitely an, exp- an expanded set from what we saw at uh, AfterCon. 
He played. Oh, yeah? He nice. played. It is pitch dark. He played Goth Girls. He played Penny Arcade theme. I mean, he played just a lot of really great stuff. Uh, and then during the during the song for uh, Diseases of Your, Jonathan Colton and uh, joined him on stage for that. Uh, and also at the very end for Nerdcore Rising, uh, Beefy, who was local, also showed up and rapped with him on that. And so it was just a great concert the whole time. And then in between bands, they were playing like these mashups of, of different tunes, which was cool. So it was just a really cool, interesting, kind of informative musical evening for me. I had a great fucking time. I'm so glad I went to that. Nice. So yeah, in all, my PAX experience was great. I didn't catch the fucking swine flu. Oh, that's also a plus. As much as I tried to lick as many nerds as I could, I, I did huh. not catch the swine flu. So maybe, maybe you could distill nerds into some sort of vaccine. Maybe they have some inherent resistance Perhaps. to the H1N1. But yeah, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of people came down with the ugly stuff. So I don't know. I don't know, man. I do know a girl who's got it or had it. She's over it. She didn't die, which is nice. Well, that, that's what I have to say about PAX. I mean, I, it was a great time. I would suggest if you, live, if you live close by or you can come to this convention, go. Because, like I said, it's really manageable. You can see a lot of great stuff. I even played a level of uh, Plants vs. Zombies, like, tournament mode on double time speed. Zombie nibble, Ooh. zombie quick. It that's, took me three times, but I finished that shit. <laughs> Your son would be so proud. I know, which put me in for a drawing that I did not win. But still, I mean, you know, it was another part of the experience that was a kick in the ass. I had a great time doing it, so... Wow. So yeah, that Sweet. was PAX 2009. Uh, definitely check it out if you can. And so, right, dude, that says so. Yeah, um, before we get to the next part, I gotta, I gotta hit the can. All right, cool. I'll be okay. right back. Don't start without me. Okay. Well, we're gonna uh, go to a tune anyway. This is Tongue Clucking Grammarian by MC Frontalot. Cluck cluck. Tut tut. Young people today can probably benefit from my 12 years in college. So here's some advice. If you're a young person who writes poetry, throw it all away right now. You get cut that it's your best defense. You just relent. You're too bright not to do it. I go on that head on a monophobic hill. All on the topic of run a lot's tongue. Not to mention that it's not to but it comes undone. And as it unravels, the cluck emits the discipline in your ears stuck in your head like a hit goes. And I suppose in subjunction If they did, I'd listen to what you said next For once, it's imperative Take off the hat, the dunce needs it back And front's on track, take your brain Seek now to retrain the nerd core refrain goes Tut, tut, tongue clucking grammarian, yo Tut, tut, check your punctuation Tut, tut, tongue clucking grammarian, yo
agree with their subjects Relative parality And I cannot believe grad school let you go in Thinking is the only present participle that you know Setting my flow by the modal auxiliary I should shout and all the aim the artillery So high overhead struggle to rise When they issue the syllable that I emphasize Go tight You wanna talk at me, you need more than a wits and charm When the tongue comes cooking, every line you lay down Every error you tuck in, it's true I've been guilty on more than a song I don't preach, I practice, and that's lifelong If it's mine, I'm gone, get reverse engineer it But when y'all fucking up, me and I get to hear it Tut, tut, tongue plucking to marry, you know Tut, tut, check your punctuation Tut, tut, tongue plucking to marry, you know Tut, tut And that was tongue-clucking grammarian. Uh, Gord had to step out for a minute, which is too bad, because joining me now is uh, one of the progenitors of nerdcore hip-hop and tonight's musical guest on the two-year anniversary show of Bone Bat, MC Frontalot himself. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right. How are you guys doing? Oh, it's, uh, it's great to have you here. Sure, my pleasure. First off, I'd just like to, you know, for our uh, listeners, we've listened to uh, any kind of music uh, each episode. And uh, for people who like their music handily wrapped and categorized for them, uh, when we talk about nerdcore hip-hop, what do we mean? Well, I assume most of your listeners have heard of, of hip-hop in general. Absolutely. Uh, so the nerdcore hip-hop would be along those lines um, with uh, sort of a major difference being... Um, well, you know how rappers usually rappers have to be cool, but generally are, mm. are insisting that they are cool or trying to explain uh, what makes them cool or, or deny deny people who would who would maybe think that they weren't that cool or you know there's a lot of being cool wrapped up in in rapping usually. Um, but if you're a nerd core rapper, you can just be a complete dork and uh, <laughs> nobody would ever have anything to say about it. <laughs> So, uh, have you always been verbally adept, or is are your skills the result of years of Shaolin-like training? <laughs> well, uh, I have always been adept, and the years of Shaolin training didn't <laughs> hurt. So, who were the artists who first uh, got you to want to pick up the mic? I was a big fan of... NWA when I was in high school. Even before that, I think DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Mm -hmm. uh, also, there was a Sugar Hill Gang record that I oh, remember yeah. when I was in a, when I was at day camp, YMCA day camp when I was even younger. But the first the first CD I bought was that DJ Jazzy Jeff, and uh, that was followed quickly by NWA and Public Enemy, like Nation of Millions. Great. was my first Public Enemy record. And then De La Soul, Three Feet High and Rising, came out, and I listened to that until... I, lis I listened to that a lot. Yeah, that's uh, the stuff that, that I've always gravitated towards were, was uh, rap music that was always very aurally dense. 
that you listen to it over and over again. And Public Enemy was fantastic for that. De La Soul was fantastic for that. You know, you're always hearing new things in the background that you didn't know were there. And it's those little details that, that make that music fantastic, I think. Certainly. And also the, you know, the way they approached their lyric writing and their delivery and, um, the way they approached the idea of putting a band together as a sort of a, an event with themes. All those bands sort of had themes that they would carry for at least a record, maybe change it up a little for the next. Mm-hmm. Um, but those those bands, I don't know. They had a they had theatricality. They they were brilliant writing those lyrics in, it, the, in it, the early '90s, and and everybody could parse them because the old school rapping was not quite as sophisticated. Um, everybody could sit down and on one listen catch most of what was being said in the song even if they didn't understand all the fancy words they could kind of make them out um, some of the modern rappers while they're a lot more impressive on the mic uh, have had to sacrifice that um, and through my whack rapping I'm able to bring some of that back so I'm happy about that <laughs> yeah well I, and I, I do like also though the way you you seem to effortlessly flow between like Rapping on the beat and then rapping like you know you're you're totally missing it and then snap you're right back like Goth Girls is a prime example of that which I really enjoy. Well, thanks. Yeah, it's like juggling, it's like clown juggling where you think you're you think they're gonna drop it. <laughs> and that's I, I can't do either juggle or rap, so I, I have to be impressed by both of them. <laughs> so so uh, one thing that I found pretty cool about Nerdcore is that. Uh, often, uh, folks like yourself, MC Lars, uh, the dearly departed Optimus Prime, would rap with a live band, which to me makes the music that much more vibrant and electric. How, was that just kind of a natural outgrowth of the music? Because I, I know you kind of start with, you know, just kind of rap, writing raps alone in your room. How do you right. get to that live band sort of a, a setup? Well, I mean, the option to, to rap with a DJ or with, um, you know, uh, laptop playback, disc man playback, I guess it would have been in the, <laughs> in the earlier aughts. That option was always there, and I never took it because it seemed too terrifying to be out there on stage all by myself mm-hmm. trying to carry a performance. Um, and I had a lot of musician friends and friends who were in bands. And I mean, the more folks you put on stage, the more energy it's possible to project out into the room and and so it never it never really even occurred to me to to try and do it without a band i just assumed that would be boring um, for for me for my act i mean Mm. some some rappers have such gargantuan charisma that they can carry a stadium with just a microphone and a a turntable uh but i'm not in that category so it's it's always been uh, the live show at least has always been all about having that band I have occasionally had to do laptop playback shows, but it it, uh, it, it tears at my soul with its teeth. <laughs> well, we were at uh, we were at AfterCon in San Diego, and of course the categorical ah, categorical imperative was there, but also yeah, you did not have the, the full the full that's band. The, the very bare minimum there is having the um, the drummer. But you know, we got in a terrible car crash on the last tour, and uh, Whitey and Lars and I all had to do our sets with laptops. Um, we had to fly to the next gig and, and and do it with robot backup. And you know, if you got to do it, you got to do it. Yeah, but, there uh, there was something rough and ready about Whitey coming on stage, Whitey Cracker uh, coming on stage with just his MP3 player and plugging that in and just rocking the room. 
Yeah. <laughs> no, he's uh, he's 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 better at doing that than I am. Um, so is Lars. I I just I feel I feel scared actually when I'm going up like that because if I forget, you know, to start my next verse on time, it's like oh well, too bad that song's ruined. You know? <laughs> oh, I, we um, we didn't notice if there was man. That was a, that no, was a, an excellent no, show. No leeway. The band is like a the live band's like a safety net. You know, you can look yeah. at them and get them to do something different or they'll just know to do something different if you screw up it's great so talking about a few other musicians that are in the community uh one of the things another thing that i think is pretty cool is how you guys all kind of work with each other that you'll be on lars's record and you'll be you know do something with optimus rhyme or with beefy that's that's tremendous to me that there's such a cool community how did that spring up in this way well, these are all internet folks, so they naturally gravitated towards communication forums such as BBSs and email lists and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And they talked to each other about, I guess, I think mostly they were all trying to just get each other to pay attention to each other. Um, but out of that kind of a community will emerge um, really wonderful things like being supportive of each other um, or wanting to collaborate with each other and and the people who've got a lot of talent, like Beefy and Zealous One and and uh, Whitey Cracker, these folks all sort of pop out and 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 it'll become obvious that everyone should pay more attention to them and go see their shows. So it's nice. It's nice. It's a meritocracy as well as a, a learning and growing support environment. Internet internet can be used for good as well as evil. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so using using all this technology, one of the things I think is also kind of interesting to me is that, like, for instance, when, when I was in, in high school and I had, you know, uh, my guitar and an amp and I had a little garage band with my friends, but we didn't really have a way to, to record it or put it down in a way that was professional. And I mean, in this studio alone right now, I've got I've got my home, sonar home studio, a couple of mics, guitars, mixer, uh, drum set. I, I've got everything I need right here, still where my kids, if they take advantage of it, can put out an album, and that's pretty cool. And that's that what a lot of musicians are doing today is kind of you know doing in a position to create their own music, promote their own music, sell their own music without being becoming indentured servants to the big music labels. Yeah, it's true, and it's wonderful. It's a wonderful time to be in and it's the case not just in music where where the financial barriers have, have been not erased but hugely eased and uh but it's like that in book publishing it's like that in, in creating visual art comic strips particularly video, video games like we just saw even packs publishing video games like yeah. there there's no there's no um, gigantic and expensive distribution system standing on purpose in the way of of artists, you know, connecting with potential audiences. So it's that's huge. That's huge, and it's going to stay that way. And new barriers will emerge, and new filters will emerge. But at the moment, it kind of we're in this little golden place where the first, you know, first five hundred thousand artists on earth who are able to and create professional quality material on their own um, are just magically going to be able to get it into the the hands of, of the audiences before they all get overwhelmed by and, quantity. <laughs> and they've got the kind of the opportunity to fail. You know what I mean? That yeah. that they can create something and be completely or original. 
And if it doesn't work, they can move on to the next thing. Whereas a large corporation has so much invested in each project that they can't afford to be risky. Yes, we the individuals are fleet of foot. There's, I, I got to say though, the barriers there are there are still barriers. Like it is, it is by no means uh, universally true that that someone who might want to make music can afford a two thousand dollar computer, a fifteen hundred dollar high quality, you know, DAW hardware, audio interface, a good mic, a preamp, um, and some of this expensive software like Sonar. That's uh, that's a tiny fraction of what you'd have to spend to put together a professional studio 15, 20 years ago. Right. But it's still, you know, the price of a car when you <laughs> add all that together. The price of like a pretty reasonably nice car. So that's not totally egalitarian yet. And the other thing that is not um, just instantly available to everyone is the skill set and the aptitude that it takes to engineer yourself, mix yourself even I, who am a complete computer genius in certain, <laughs> certain ways, <laughs> um, don't have the amazingly fine-tuned skill set to master my own audio. I go to a professional mastering engineer who's got, who's got uh, uh, not a car, but maybe an airplane's worth of uh, equipment <laughs> in his mastering <laughs> studio. And, and I still have to rely on that, you know, and I right. still have to go to a, a real studio if I want to drum, if I want to uh, record drums competently. And, and I've taught myself a lot about mixing, producing, using digital effects and getting a pretty good final mix done. And I think my albums like sound better each time I do that whole project. I've like learned a lot and I keep learning stuff. But a lot of aspiring musicians out there who could maybe afford a car's worth of uh, hardware and software don't necessarily have the time or the, the inborn technical talents just aptitude for computers and learning stuff on computers that it would take to really do it for themselves. So you still you still need other people. You still need people who are potentially going to come in and be arbiters um, and tell you that your project isn't worth doing or something like that. You know, if, so if an audio engineer tells you that, then you're like, ah, <laughs> how is this any better than when Warner Brothers told me that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, presumably you would, I don't know, they wouldn't be taking so much money, though, to tell you that. Right, right, right. And you, can, was, you can't just boil it down to money. Like, you can, right, yeah. you can hire audio engineers to come sure, into your project sure. studio and help you with it, but ugh, wouldn't that be awful? <laughs> Paying a pro audio engineer to come hang out in your cobbled together computer studio. <laughs> just to laugh at your kind of... Yeah, whenever yeah, I bring a... Didn't even want to be there. Didn't yeah. think your music was good. <laughs> whenever I bring a band into the Bone Bat studio to interview, I always feel a little bit like, uh... <laughs> So, uh, kind of on to, uh, since we were talking about PAX a little bit, we're just coming off of that. It was a fantastic time. Uh, that was my first PAX, and I, I really learned a lot and found it uh, very kind of energetic and educational. Uh, and your show was fantastic, sir. I oh, just thanks. have to say, I mean, AfterCon was a blast, but you were a conquering hero at PAX. Well, I do my best. Thanks for saying <laughs> that. was a great show. Now, just when you started out the show, was that intro with the uh, rock band? Had, had you ever done that sort of thing, or was that absolutely unique just for PAX? Um, that bit was just for PAX. Uh, that was the PAX theme. Right. Or rather, the Penny Arcade theme that we were, um, that we were doing. But you, and, yeah, you did a little twist to it where it was somewhat yeah, akin like, to a song that we all know. We like to re- <laughs> remix that up. Um, 
as best we can. A couple of years ago, we, we remixed it as, a, as if we had been sampling the Katamari Damase uh, theme for it. We did that for two years, and then we got tired of that, so we decided to switch to Rock Band. We like Rock Band this week because because they just put out a second uh, second MC Frontalot track. That's fantastic, man. Yeah, I'm going to have to download that and see if I can keep up with you. Well, yes, you should. Everyone <laughs> should. Everyone should. And it's uh, it's going to have much more exciting guitar part than I, th- I think than the uh, previous one from last year, um, which just had a little bit of rhythm backup. This one's got some some fancy finger work. I haven't downloaded it yet, so actually I'm talking out of my butt. Maybe the, <laughs> maybe the whole track is incredibly boring to play on every instrument. <laughs> well, I definitely will give it a shot. So so at PAX, like, what games did you see that excited you? Um, I played a little bit of Beatles Rock Band, and I'm excited about that. Not in the way that I'm excited about other video games. Like, mm-hmm. Generally, I get excited about video games because... There's a gameplay mechanic I've never seen before, or the graphics are hell of cool, or you get to like embody somebody that um, you know you've always wanted to play a video game as, or there's all kinds of things that have compelled me in video games over the years, um, and this has none of them, and yet I'm so excited about it because I just love playing Rock Band, and you can always get people who are not gamers into rock band and there could be no easier way to do that than with this huge Beatles catalog like I mean everyone my age and older <laughs> everyone my age and older loves Beatles songs and singing that stuff so I'm real excited I'm trying to talk harmonics and this to be a free copy <laughs> well, and, and even if you don't if you're not a big Beatles fan you can't argue the fact that just through osmosis how do you know on a cellular level every song that that band has done right it's just amazing how how deeply ingrained they are in all of us. So I had some fun playing Beatles Rock Band, and I um, played the new 2K game. Uh, they didn't have Bioshock 2 playable, which made me sad, but they had <laughs> whatever it was called, Outland or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was all right. Um, I was kind of excited looking at... I was distracted by their giant, stupid, foam-covered, mechanical bull demon horse thing that they were like, injuring, <laughs> injuring gamers with. But... When I finally had looked at that enough, I looked down at the actual game, which was being played around the edge of the of the mechanical horse thing um, mm-hmm. on these little monitors, and that game looked great. It was uh, Darksiders. I mean, it basically looked like a God of War clone, but it, right. it, uh, it looked really fun, and the graphics were fancy, and it kind of looked like when you'd walk over the edge of something, like the whole world would tilt up, and you'd be walking on a different plane. I thought that was kind of compelling. Mm-hmm. You know, go on. I can't remember any other games that I got to see. I get I get very little time to do gaming at PAX. <laughs> sadly. So, are are you more of like a PC guy, console guy, or handheld? I was always more of a PC guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta say, since I started running Vista, I've just been more and more pissed off at my PC. And also, um, I've had an Xbox now for God, not a year, but most of a year. And the more I play on the 360, the less I feel like I need to keep my PC's video card all the way up to date. It's kind of like, well, the good games are just going to be on 360 anyway. It's kind of like, well, I mean, I've still got, I've still got PC stuff that I'm really into. Um, I assume StarCraft 2 is not going to be on consoles. I can't imagine wanting to play Diablo 2 on the console when I could, you know, click on things on the PC. Um, I've been playing Sims 3, uh, which I realize makes me a, a childless middle-aged housewife but I've, I've been playing it and enjoying it and that you know there's there's other things that are really cool I like steam i like uh, 
I like, well, I especially like Steam because my buddies at, at Valve gave me the code that gives me all the games for free. <laughs> oh, that's, that's awesome. But yeah, um, I've, I've uh, wore a hole in my mouse playing uh, Plants vs. Zombies. So. Ah, cool. <laughs> but, you know, all the, all the stuff you can download from Xbox Live Arcade just kind of makes PC gaming less uh, fascinating than ever before. So who knows? Maybe it'll transition. I'll have to see how stuff runs on Windows 7 if it's way less disappointing than Vista then who knows maybe I'll get back into my my PC gaming roots but I I hardly had any consoles before uh, I mean just even in my lifetime I never had an mm. NES I had a Commodore 64 and mm. I looked down on NES kids I thought oh he's like you got a Commodore but you can't program basic you must suck you know did you hit the uh, Amiga step in between oh god I wanted an Amiga so bad <laughs> I, didn't, I, didn't, I couldn't afford it or I couldn't afford the good one and the, and the crappy one was crappy yeah I had the crappy one <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I had PCs and I never the very first console I ever got was a, was a used PS2 on Craigslist so that I could finish playing um, so that I could finish playing San Andreas because mm-hmm. uh, I had moved to New York and I was no longer living with my buddy who had a PS2 and I played that PS2 until it broke, and now I have a 360 um, that I got so I could play <laughs> so I could play GTA 4. The only thing that really drives my video game purchasing is the re- release of new GTA games. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of those things that gets you to upgrade. Oh, God. It's, yes. <laughs> the amount of money I've spent just so I could play those. I bought a PSP so I could play those little Liberty City Story, all those little games. I uh, I haven't, I, Chinatown I Wars on the DS. Yes, you don't remind me. That. <laughs> I have to go buy a DS if I want to play that game. God damn. <laughs> All right. Anyway. Well, uh, back to music a little bit. Uh, what do you got coming up next? Well, I'm working on a new record. I'm trying to get a lot of writing done this month. Um, and finish up all the tracks for that so I can get heavily into production. The uh, album is going to be called Zero Day. I'm expecting to put it out in March. Fantastic. We, we will tour nationally to support it. Are you be coming to Seattle? Yes. If we have a proper tour, we will definitely hit Seattle. Cool. And did I also hear that uh, you are dabbling a little bit in children's music? little bit. I would love to retire into children's music at some point. Um, so far, and this was a few years ago, I did a, a song for Sesame Street that went on the Elmo's Potty Time DVD. <laughs> the, uh, well, it's the only rapping on the on the DVD. You right. can't really miss it. But it's the um, the segment where they tour the toilet paper factory. And I'm doing the rap about the toilet paper factory and the, the toilet paper production process. Uh, it's quite informative well that, that's very cool my my kids uh are uh, now seven and ten and they basically grew up with no and here come the abcs by they might be giants so cool kids music is is something Excellent. that i'm i think that's that's pretty cool so yeah definitely do more of that sir i will i shall all right so uh no bone bat show interview would be complete without the question what pisses mc front a lot off Lately, I've been so angry every time I have to log into MySpace. That is just the worst designed interface on the planet. <laughs> Isn't that and on top of which, like, if you can actually locate and activate the functions that you seek, they're inevitably broken. The whole history of that site, the user searching and sorting, has never worked. There's right. never been a way to, like, 
find out who out of your many thousands of buddies lives, say, anywhere near New York. So the whole the whole site is just useless for communicating with fans. Um, you can spam all of them with a bulletin that nobody reads, or <laughs> you can uh, hire hackers to build robots to like email each of them right. individually, um, which is against the terms. And if you do that, you get like kicked off. Well, but- so there's no way to win. And I finally gave up, and I was like, "All right, I'm never coming back here. I'm just gonna rig the whole thing so it points to my, you know, like more reasonable parts of internet where uh-huh. I am." And I'm never. And thank God, I'll never have to like log in here anymore. I got somebody else to agree to like log in for me once a week and accept all the friends and to like you know post calendar stuff on there for me sometimes. Um, and I thought, okay, the other thing is I'm always getting these personal messages on here and I don't like to ignore messages from fans I like to write everybody back even if I only have time to you know just be like thanks for, for writing that or whatever um, mm-hmm. so so it's you know this is bugging me that like there's just going to be this this unlooked at bucket of mail so I so I, I'm like okay there must be some solution to this I'm digging around in MySpace and I find the I find, <laughs> I find the away message that you can set. I'm like, oh, perfect. I can like put this whole thing. I can apologize for not reading MySpace mail. I can tell you, like, here, write me an email at this address or look on my website or whatever. And that'll be great. And right when I set that up, they shift, they change the MySpace mail system. I think they're trying to make it more dynamic um, so that you can have multiple recipients for mail or blah, blah, blah. But the way that they've set it up now, um, if you have an away message... It lets you write MC Frontalot or any other person with an away message, an entire email. You sit there and write your entire email to them. It's not an email. It's a, uh, on MySpace message, right? MySpace site m- personal message. You write the whole goddamn thing. You write, <laughs> type MC Frontalot up in the to field. And you hit send. It deletes all the text of your message. Says, I can't deliver this message because the, uh, to this user, MC Frontalot, because he has an away message set. And then it does not tell you what the away message is. And also there is no possible way to read the away message. Ever. <laughs> so, yeah. So they don't want to let you out. Well, that's, they made there's it. A- there's they a, made it more broken than ever yeah. before. I just don't understand those people. Well, I there's a book understand. that just came out that's like a biography of MySpace. Uh-huh. And it talks about how it was kind of developed by a couple of guys whose job was to like create spam bots and things like that. And <laughs> the idea of it is it's supposed to be messy, loud, and obnoxious like a nightclub. Huh. The, and so that's kind of the whole the whole idea behind it. And so there's not really interest into doing the things that would make it more useful to the end user. Because that's kind of the antithesis of what they're trying to accomplish. Well, I don't <laughs> buy that, but <laughs> but that's a funny that's a funny uh, piece of reasoning. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thank you very much for uh, spending a little bit of time with us. Oh, where can we buy your stuff? I recommend frontalot.com. I just set up a thing so that everybody can buy the old albums digitally if they feel like it. And in fact, you can go straight there. www.frontalot.com slash mp3 store. That'll get you straight to the to the albums. You could buy them uh, in FLAC or mp3 or AAC for your fancy little iPods or whatever you want. Um, and there's t-shirts and everything on there. Frontalot.com. That's, all, that's where everything happens. <laughs> that's where the that's where the world is is heading these days. Front as a, a futurist, I would like to as a futurist, I would like to predict that the, the world in general is going to become more and more like frontalot.com <laughs> starting today. Very cool. All right, so uh, let's give the fans a little taste. Uh, what would you like to listen to? 
Um, let's do the uh, the brand new single off of Final Boss. It is called Diseases of Yore, and it stars Jonathan Colton. Very cool. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Maybe you'll never die. Maybe you're going to live forever and ever 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 and ever. a lot of people in emergency rooms who got anthracosis consumption or womb fever june cleaver never suffered she had the penicillin no expiration when she mothered her no good little death poop rats living little ones once were preciouser than that living anybody used to be a miracle yo you'd get at by the festering hysterical flow madness and bad diseases of mole lung eye and humor spirit and soul all these afflictions engender aversions a catch green sickness to match with the virgin scrofula coughs that a cast askance ever since black scurvy I can't wear pants and I can't but dance with glee that is not then now I bet you got the terrorism in how maybe you'll never die maybe you're gonna live forever and never of anything wrong with you and until you do you won't worry about it cause you're probably fine maybe you should pretend to forget to remember the bullet that's meant for you until it's overdue and it runs you through Galloping Roxy and she swashes Leaves me with the stemic of the croup and the dung heap of unbearably feeded excreta From which I get reinfected, nice to meet ya How about a hug? I swear my ichor is down And I got over to pestilence, it was intense I found the historian sign, Picardy sweated Just ran out of leeches that I need such as for bloodletting It's upsetting, there, I'm upset Dose of French distemper throbbing up in my head I don't go into bilicus flux just yet But about to give out a shout to the collar Doubt you could follow a charting of the manifold ways I am Iliac passion, spelters, chill weavers, bottom and a melancholy ache. If my fever doesn't break, breaks a glass at the wake. Maybe you'll never die, maybe you're gonna live forever and never of anything wrong with you. And until you do, you won't worry about it. Cause you're probably fine, maybe you should pretend to forget to remember the bullet that's meant for you. Till it's overdue, and it runs you through. That all of these infirmities combine to find a time traveling hypochondria epidemic. One I suffer under, but on the other side of the globe from affluence, the death is still thriving. Thus, contractments. Maybe you'll never die, maybe you're gonna live forever and never of anything wrong with you. And until you do, you won't worry about it. Cause you're probably fine, maybe you should pretend to forget to remember the bullet that's meant for you. Till it's overdue and it runs you through. Maybe you'll never die, maybe you're gonna live forever and never of anything wrong with you And until you do, you won't worry about it Cause you're probably fine, maybe you should pretend to forget to remember the bullet that's meant for you Till it's overdue and it runs you through Hello, this is Jeff Bow from Revenant Magazine and you're listening to The Bone Bat Show Saturday, September 26, 2009, 4 p.m. to midnight at the Museum of History and Industry in Seattle. It's the third annual Revenant Film Festival. At this year's event, you'll be able to see movies like Yesterday, Plague, The Hell Patrol, ZMD, Zombies of Mass Destruction, and 
Night of the Living Dead Reanimated. There will be special guests like Rotten Comic Creator Mark Rayner and podcasters Mail Order Zombie, Seattle Geekly, and The Bone Bat Show. Tickets are $16 in advance or $21 at the door. Head to www.revenantfilmfest.com to learn more, and we'll see you on Saturday. So that was Diseases of Yore by MC Frontalot. Thanks again, Front, for letting us use your music, man. That was too cool, and I appreciate the interview. Again, as he was saying, you can pick up his CDs, Nerdcore Rising from 2005, Secrets from the Future from 2007, and Final Boss, which that last track was from, which was uh, from 2008, from his site, Frontalot.com. Also, Netflix is currently streaming the documentary about MC Frontalot, Nerdcore Rising. So check that out on Xbox Live. So where the fuck is Gord? Hey. I'm here, dude. I would not go in there if I were you. I would just. Where were you, dude? I told you I had to go to the can. You missed the whole fucking MC Frontalot interview. What? What? You missed the whole interview. How did it? No. Jesus. I hate you. You're so amateur hour, dude. Yeah. Jeez. I thought you went and saw Nine and Ate Soul Food or something. I did see nine and eat soul food, but not just then. I actually took my kids' um, DS into the bathroom with me, and I got kind of involved. <laughs> Great. All right, well, uh, why don't we jump to a little multimedia triage? Triage! Sweet. So I'd like to announce a guest tonight. Uh, joining us is the captain of one of my favorite podcasts of all time, Drunken oh, Zombie. Wait. No, I thought it was going to be the Captain and Tennille. No, no. This guy oh. kicks way more ass than the Captain and Tennille. Brian from Drunken Zombie, man. What's up? What's going on, fellas? Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being here. This is fucking great. I'm glad you could join us for a little yeah. multimedia triage, and perhaps even maybe you've brought a filthy joke for us? Uh, maybe. Sweet. <laughs> cool. So how's it going, man? Going good. Uh, I actually just got done recording our show. That's why I was uh, kind of happy you were late calling me. <laughs> well, I'm glad you were yeah, recording your show. You were playing Left for Dead, weren't you? Well, uh, we got done, and I'm like, they still haven't called yet. Fuck it, I'm playing Left for Dead. <laughs> started playing. Got through one level, and it's like, oh, fuck, Steve's calling me. Steve is still <laughs> fucking up my Left for Dead game, and he's not even playing. So, so Brent and Derek are going to be pissed at me again. Is that- yeah, they told Derek told me to give you shit for uh, <laughs> taking me away from the game. So. Typical. Uh, there's again, just no pleasing. There's just no pleasing some podcasts. <laughs> so speaking of Derek, uh, let's get into a little multimedia triage here. We've got a little bit of uh, old business to take care of, though. Uh, I have a quick. Uh, a quick voicemail here from Brother D from Mail Order Zombie, who uh, took umbrage a little bit with Gordon's review of Dead Girl. So uh, Uh-oh. Here, Uh-oh. here we go. Real umbrage? Real actual umbrage. Hey, what's up, gang? It's Brother D. How y'all doing? Look, um, just got done listening to the last episode, and I wanted to call in with some thoughts. Uh, Gord, I'm really shocked at your near-violent reaction to the movie Dead Girl. Now, uh, I I agree with Steve. It's rough. Well, I agree with you too. I mean, it's really fucking rough. 
But you know what? There's just something about it that, that makes me think this is a damn fine uh, It's very well done. It's very well acted. The script I found to be phenomenal, and I think it's a great film, and I think it's one of those movies that zombie fans uh, cannot miss. You know, Trent Haga, the writer, who is a hell of a nice guy, is going to be on my show. Uh, let's see. It probably will already happen by the time this drops, episode 86. I had an interview with him, and he talks about, you know, what was the writing of the project. And it, it really feels like a personal story about you know, kids trying to figure out just what their place in the world is going to be, that sort of thing, against this backdrop of, a, of this really fucked up zombie story. I, I'm shocked that you are so so anti this film, considering you're such a hardcore carnivore and meat eater. And you know me, the the uh, vegetarian loves this movie. So <laughs> go figure. I don't get it. Uh, Pony pool. Very good, you guys. Great fucking movie. Both of these movies we gave four headshots out of five over on MOZ. So uh, you know, again, just wanted to kind of call and comment on that. Love the show. Keep doing what you do. Stay loose. Remember, when you think zombie movies, think me or zombie. Peace, I'm out of here. So, he thinks you're a pussy. Well, that's okay. I think he's a rapist. <laughs> did, you, <laughs> did, did, did you see Dead Girl, Brian? Uh, I have not. I've heard uh, both good and bad things about it, so I'm really curious to check it out. Yeah, okay, utter uh, garbage. Your life will not be better for seeing it. <laughs> I, I found when, it, when it's all said and done, you'll go, "Wow, I, I'm really, I'm really sad that I that I, I saw that movie." You see, and I, I found uh, it compellingly watchable. I mean, there was a story there that that I was interested in seeing where it went, and it, it's uncomfortable. It's not an easy, you know. You're not sitting through Return of the Living Dead with this film. It, it does. It's a bit of art that does make you uncomfortable, but. I don't think that means that you shouldn't necessarily see it. Uh, you've seen a lot of stuff. I mean, you've seen Martyrs, for Christ's sake. So Dead Girl's going to be a walk in the park for you. Ugh, Martyrs. So depressing. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a little bit chicken shit about that film. I have to say, I don't know that I'll see it. Oh, my gosh. I Yeah, you'll split your wrist afterwards. <laughs> yeah, if, if, if that's a movie that makes Dead Girl look good, I have absolutely no interest in seeing that movie whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't yeah, the dead girl was depressing. It I, I haven't seen it. No, it was just it was just coming from a really fucked up place that I I could not get behind. Well, let's let's jump to a film that's a uh, a little nicer. Uh, how about Nine? Did you guys see that? Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Nine. Nine was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. As a matter of fact, it, you know, I think it was only about eighty minutes long, wasn't it? I would have liked to have spent a lot more time in that world. Yeah, it was definitely, an absolutely, definitely. it was a beautiful movie. It was so creative and so well done. It, it, even though the ending absolutely sucked, fell flat, it gives you, I'm not going to spoil it, but it gives you a hint near the end that the movie is going to veer off its straight, linear, thin plot line and actually have this kind of cool twist. And you're like, yeah, and then it doesn't. It just ends. And it, and it ends in a manner where you go, really? That's it? But still, it's so good. It's It's like... It's like if Megan Fox said, you know what, you can actually enjoy sexual congress with me, but I'm not going to allow you to nut. You do it, right? <laughs> you know, okay, the end's not going to be that great, but still, you do it. And this movie's like that. You see, the, the, the weird thing is you, you described the film like that to me before I saw it, and I still don't really know what you mean. 
about the end falling flat and where you thought it was going to go. Should we I, really discuss this? I, I, I don't know if we want to ruin it, but I, I, I kind of don't see. I mean, I enjoyed it for what it was worth. I, I thought it had some beautiful imagery. I thought it had some kind of interesting, edgy uh, concepts for a kid, a film that's, you know, bordering on a children's film. And, did that, uh, did you that know, movie scare the hell out of your kid? No, actually. Uh, there was oh, wow. there was one of the, the robotic monsters early in the movie. There was kind of a jump scare that got him. But mostly they thought it was too loud. That was the only complaint. Yeah, I hate when that happens. What did you think, Brian? I absolutely loved it. I thought it was fantastic. I've been hyped for this movie um, probably six months ago when I saw the trailer for the first time, so I couldn't wait. And um, I thought it was great. It's really dark, which is uh, kind of cool to see for, like you said, for a movie that's somewhat geared towards children. But, I mean, like you can go in as an adult and just really enjoy it, too. Yeah, and well, I kind of see Gord's point where it, the whole movie sort of dark, and then they give you sort of somewhat of a cheery ending, sort of, right, without yeah. really spoiling anything. Yeah, I think I kind of would like to have seen it maybe go in a darker direction. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, all right, yeah. I'm, I'm going to spoil it right here. Here's the ending that I thought was going to happen, and I okay, turned to the guy on. next to me in the movie. Hold on, hold and on. he thought exactly hold the on, same Hold thing. on, hold on, hold on. So if you, uh, if you don't want to be spoiled on 9... Jump ahead about five minutes, please. <laughs> yeah, give our listeners some credit. I think they figured that out. Go ahead, Gord. All right. I thought that he was that you know he said we're all pieces of the of the the inventor's soul. Each one of us is a piece of his soul. I thought they would all have to go into that big evil robot, get consumed by it, to become a complete soul again, and then that big evil robot would stop being a killer because it never really was a killer. It was just trying to get all the pieces of his soul back together and start rebuilding the world. And it would be like this really hairy, you know, fight with, oh, no, Nine's trying to kill us. He's gone crazy. And maybe he has to throw somebody into it. And, and, you know, someone else is going to commit a, you know, commit suicide by jumping into it. I just, I just thought that's where it was going. That's an interesting thought because I kind of thought that they were going to go inside the robot to rescue their friends too. But then it just kind of didn't. But I, I didn't know at the time that I, I wasn't really like disappointed that it didn't follow through on the philosophical aspect of that. Yeah, but it didn't. I mean, the way it ended, it's like, okay, we're going to make, um, we're going to dig this pattern in the ground. That I don't know where they decided to do that pattern. And then they're going to, that's somehow going to free them and they're going to rain back to earth as mitochondria or screaming chloroplasts in the, Cells or whatever the shit that was supposed to be. Well, it's just supposed to be uh, midichlorians, right? Midichlorians. <laughs> uh, didn't Prince sing uh, that song, "Midichlorian Rain"? I think so. Yeah. Uh, so who was who was some of your favorite characters in the movie? Uh, seven is the shit. I love yeah. the twins. The twins were great, and I, I loved Five and John C. Riley's uh, voicing. You know, really, the voice acting in the film was impeccable. Yeah, everybody yeah, was they, just so damn good. I, I thought John C. Riley was actually the weakest of the whole cast. I thought the voice acting was great, except for him. Oh, I thought he was great. I thought that character was so soulful and timid and shy and scared. Uh, Maybe because I, when I hear his the voice, way that I that see was his face. acted out, I, I, I thought that was re- he did a great job with that. Yeah, maybe it's just I'm too visual. I hear it. I hear the voice. I see the face. And so Mar- Martin trouble. Landau was two, right? He was great. Mm-hmm. And who who was one? Do you guys know? No, uh, I don't remember. 
but yeah, I, I was really impressed with the voice actor. Oh, it, it, it was, was uh, Martin, it's, uh, Martin Landau. Oh, okay. I but, thought he was two. Yeah, maybe maybe you're right. Okay, no, I could be wrong. I'm not sure, but yeah, yeah. Okay, but my my second my second bitch about this movie was the sound design was totally fucked. Was it distracting to anybody else that the sounds that they assigned to the objects in the movie had no relationship to the actual size and weight of the objects? Like, they'd move some little tiny thing. you think these, these puppet guys are, like, about as big as a glove. And someone would move, like, drag a pin across the floor, and it sounds like a 12-foot-long piece of rebar. Or the guy has the, the one of them has, like, a little exacto blade, and it sounds like a manhole cover every time it touches something. I just found that really I, I didn't even I did not even notice that. That pulled me, me out of the movie more than one occasion where I go, what the fuck? That's weird. Well, the, like I said, my kids did think it was too loud. Was it that? Was it just cranked up so loud that you were you were noticing it more than you normally would? No, luckily I, I saw it in a theater that doesn't try to make your head bleed, so <laughs> no, it was not too loud. So I'm the only one that, that had trouble with that too, huh? Yeah, I, I did yeah. not have a problem with that. Damn, Brian, you always take steep side. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, yeah, definitely, uh, I guess all three of us think, uh, check out uh, Nine. It's a good shit. Yeah, definitely. Okay, and then uh, as long as we're on the uh, movie thing a little bit, uh, first let's jump over. Uh, we're going to give Brian a minute to talk here in a sec. But uh, let's jump over. The Revenant Film Festival is coming this Saturday. Saturday, September 26th in Seattle, and I've got an interview with Jeff Bao from Revenant Magazine to talk about it. So uh, let's listen to that. Okay, this is Steve from The Bone Bat Show, and I'm here at PAX 2009 with Jeff Bao from Revenant Magazine and the Revenant, Revenant Film Festival. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm great, Steve. How are you doing? Very well. Great. It's uh, good to see you again. Yeah, it's excellent. So uh, last fall, uh, I was lucky enough to attend uh, the Revenant Film Festival with my wife, and we had a fantastic time. Oh, it's great. Seeing movies uh, like uh, the short trailer that you did for Zombie and Dead, uh, Bernie Franklin's Zombie Hunter, which was a fantastic <laughs> short. Yeah. Uh, and my personal fave, Real Zombies, from David Francis and Mike Masters. Great. But, I mean, even before, you know, it was the talk of Cannes, Mark Price's uh, Colin was taking the special jury prize right here in Seattle from Revenant Film Festival. Indeed, yeah. We did show that film pretty early, and, uh, you know, I was on vacation. I came back, and I heard that it had screened at Cannes, and I was just so surprised, so... We actually have an updated interview with Mark Price uh, about his kind of endeavor into uh, that whole foray, so coming up in the print issue. That's so cool. Yeah. So you're, you're always ahead of things, man. So we try what, what to be. You, what are you going to be busting out for us at uh, this year's show? Oh, man, we got a lot of cool stuff coming up this year. We have um, ZMD, a local film, Zombies of Mass Destruction, filmed over in Port Gamble, Washington. Uh, it's kind of a coastal ghost town, so it's very interesting to, to check it out over there. And it's a perfect setting for a good horror film. And uh, this has a lot of comedy elements. They bill it as a political zombie. Um, so it's very funny. I've seen the film a few times. Um, the other one that I'm really interested to see is uh, Night of the Living Dead reanimated, which is uh, uh, kind of re-envisioning of George Romero's classic film Night of the Living Dead as told by animated segments from artists throughout the world. So uh, it's a very interesting project. It's been getting a lot of press lately. Um, you know, and besides those, we have some great films. Uh, Yesterday from Rob Grant, a Canadian film, 
kind of a, a dark comedy. Um, takes some survivors and they kind of escape the city and go out and make uh, set up a base camp in the wilderness and kind of realize that uh, it's these people they're with that they should fear the most, not the zombies. So uh, it kind of takes this uh, downward cycle and breaks up this group. Very kind of uh, dark film. Um, other than that, we have a few short films. We have uh, The Hell Patrol from um, Turner Van Rin and Steve Romanko. It's kind of a, a group of these Hell Patrollers who are fighting these zombies on their way to San Francisco. So they get in this safe house, and it's just kind of a all-out battle against the undead for half an hour. <laughs> uh, it's awesome. Uh, they just did their sound design at Skywalker Ranch, so the soundtrack is just going to be amazing. I kind of got an early um, screener of that, so I haven't had the awesome sound yet. But uh, we're looking forward to that in surround sound. Um, the other one that we have is Plague from Matt Simpson. Uh, great little film, kind of uh, takes elements from World War Z and The Walking Dead. And uh, it's just kind of a story of a survivor who, uh, you know, is just kind of trying to eke out a living uh, amongst this kind of shattered world. You know, it's really very bleak, uh, great film. And that's the short film that we have. So well, that sounds fantastic. That's a great yeah. lineup again. Oh, absolutely. We're looking forward to this year a lot. So, and I understand you guys are working on a real magazine too, as absolutely, well. Absolutely. Right? In addition yeah. to your fine online magazine. But absolutely. Yeah. We are uh, taking the print endeavor. So uh, after you know about six years as an online presence, we uh, finally wanted something tangible. So I hooked up with the right people to kind of uh, make that a reality. Mm -hmm. And so we have a print edition coming out. Uh, Issue number zero comes out September 26th. We're going to debut it at the Revenant Film Festival this year. So, oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, this I is can't a, wait to read it, man. Yeah, great preview edition. we got some great uh, contributors on board. So. Oh, that's great. So that's again uh, on Saturday, September 26th from 4 p.m. to midnight at Seattle's Museum of History and Industry, or MOHI, uh, just off the 520 near University of Washington. Uh, you can get tickets at uh, revenantfilmfest.com, correct? That's right. And there's more info there. And also you can always check out revenantmagazine.com for uh, regular stuff. Absolutely, yeah. So uh, this being the Bone Bat Show, i got to ask you, what pisses you off? Oh, man. Um... <sighs> Let's see. I rode the bus here today, and uh, people that uh, just cannot keep to themselves in public places, you know, they just want to chat you up about everything. And it's like, um, you know, I'm all I'm a personable person, but I really don't need to hear every little detail of your life um, unless I open up a conversation. So. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> well, I figured, you know, between running a film festival, starting a magazine, there must be something. So. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we could take up a whole show with this, but uh, that's that's one thing that just kind of bothered me on uh, from my experience right, today. Well, I, I think I end up sitting next to that guy on the plane Oh, yeah, the yeah time, it was so. definitely a bus ride with that guy today. <laughs> All right, man. Well, thanks again very yeah. much for your time. It was uh, great talking to you, and we will see you on the 26th at Revenant Film Fest. Awesome. Thank you, Steve. Appreciate your time. Oh, you bet. Thanks. All right. So that was the Revenant interview. Uh, if you are in Seattle, check it out. It's going to be cool. And uh, some fellow podcasters are going to be there. Brother D and Miss Bren will be making an appearance from Portland. Also, the Seattle Geekly folks will be there. And uh, speaking of Seattle Geekly, just real quick, uh, they did an even more in-depth two-episode look at PAX. So uh, if you want to hear a little more about the convention, uh, definitely check that out. What is a Revenant, by the way? Is that just another word for zombie? It's a yeah, but it's it's like I think it's generally a cursed undead that has to do with like revenge. Oh, okay. Wow, so so like cool. yeah, specifically that's like its its purpose is the reason it hasn't passed on 
is because it has unfinished business and it's usually pissed off. Like, I've heard the term like a lot, the but I never really bothered to look up what it meant, I guess. Yeah, yeah I just thought it was another word for zombie. <laughs> now, on to uh, something also awesome. Drunken Zombies Film Festival, man. What's coming up? Tell us about it. Well, see, we don't get cool shit like the Revenant Film Festival around here, so we have to make up our own stuff, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Basically, we're uh, coming up in November 6th through the 8th. Uh, We're just going to be showing a bunch of uh, really, I want to say real independent horror movies. The term independent gets thrown around a lot, and... uh, Really, in uh, the horror genre, that's the only real independent sanctuary left because most of the other quote-unquote independent movies are usually sponsored by some big studio who bought out some art house production company or whatever. So these movies have um, moved out of their parents' house. They're on their own. (laughs) Exactly. So all these movies, uh, you know, pretty much have no no to uh, low distribution. And, uh, you know, we're going to be showing just all kinds of great uh, independent horror movies. Some of the ones we've watched so far have been really good. Unfortunately, some of the other ones have been really bad, so we don't know if we're going to show those. (laughs) But um, it's definitely stuff that you would not see in a theater normally. So we're hoping to, uh, you know, expose some people to some really good horror movies that you probably never would even hear of if you didn't show up to this film festival. Well, that's freaking cool, man. I wish yeah. I wish yeah. we were close enough to Peoria to, to be able to do this. So, what's the date again? Well, well you know what? Um, I wish I was close enough to do it, but I don't necessarily wish I was close enough to Peoria. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, sir? I know. Um, it's going to be uh, November 6th through the 8th. We have the whole weekend reserved. We don't know if we're going to be showing movies the whole weekend or not. Mm-hmm. Sort of depends on how the lineup shakes out. Okay, are, are you ready to announce any of the films yet, or is that still under your hat? Well, the big one that we've announced already is we are going to be uh, showing the world premiere of the movie Outpost of Doom. All right, which is from the guys that do the Splattercast. Fucking awesome! Uh, they did their last movie, The Grand Horror, which uh, they sold on their website. They sold on DVD. And I, they only sold pretty well. They went through two printings of the DVD. So. Oh, cool. So, yeah, we're going to be having the world premiere, which means nobody uh, that hasn't worked on the movie will have seen it by the time, you know, <laughs> we premiere it. So. Cool. And they're actually uh, trucking in from Nebraska, and they're going to do a Q&A afterwards and everything. So if you're a fan of the Splattercast, come to Peoria, hang out, watch the movie, drink some beer with them. Now, is, yeah, it, is this time. true, what I heard, that you have a theater where you can drink beer? Yes. The theater we're doing it in is uh, Brewing View. Oh, that's has too a, uh, cool. Has a uh, full bar. You know, you can go order anything you like from the bar, then go into your seat and enjoy the movie. And they have, you know, the usual stuff, popcorn, nachos, all that good stuff, too. See, that's badass. The only way you can get Brewing View in Seattle is if you sneak a sixer into the drive-in. <laughs> we do that too. <laughs> well, that sounds really, yeah, really sweet. Cool man. Th- yeah, it's a really cool theater. It's uh, puretheater.com. Like, they have, uh, they're attached to like a chain theater, but they bought like two of the theaters for their own use. Mm-hmm. And they just show independent movies all the time and just have a full bar. They did a uh, Big Lebowski night, which is pretty awesome. 
So, yeah. yeah, they scream the big Lebowski, and then there's a bowling alley attached to it, too. So you go <laughs> oh, in, geez. you pay your admission, you go uh, bowl two games as part of your admission. You go to the bar, you get your white Russian, you go in, you watch Big Lebowski. <laughs> that sounds like a great time, man. Yeah, it's really cool. All right. But, uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully it's going to be a lot of fun. We still, we're still getting submissions in, and, you know... I got one the other day called A House of Flesh Mannequins, and I have no idea what it's about, but I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> wow. Very cool. Well, we will keep uh, our listeners posted uh, on any new uh, films that you announce that you'll show, and I'll, I'll have a link to all that good stuff on uh, Bonehand.com, too. So uh, good luck awesome. with it, man. That sounds like so much fun. I wish we could be there. Yeah, I wish you guys could be here, too. We're getting uh, a lot of people coming from out of town. I know... Uh, the obscure 80s guys, from what I hear, are going to be trucking in from Cincinnati to check it out. So. Oh, those assholes? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding, Jay. Just kidding, Stu. Uh, we're going to get so much shit from him now. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. Well, that's that's great news, man. Good luck. Yeah, we can't wait. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, video games, uh, stuff that we're playing. Uh, today was a big video game day. Uh, Need for Speed uh, Shift came out. Marvel Alliance 2 came out. ODST is next week. The new Mario and Luigi for the DS came out. I think that one's called Two Plumbers and One Koopa. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, how long have you been sitting on that? (laughs) Thank you, thank you. So, yeah, great stuff. But I picked up Scribblenauts this morning, which uh, I kind of touched on a little bit earlier. It's this game for the DS where you basically you have like a series of maps where you have to gather stars kind of in a Mario sort of way but how you do that is by you you have a way to print in in text like any object you can think of so there, if a star's in a tree you write onto the screen ladder and a ladder will appear and you lean it against the tree and you climb up to get the stars you actually write the word ladder? Yeah, and evidently there's tens of thousands of variations in this game to where it's almost impossible to stump it. They've done this fantastic job with setting up the game, so there's so many variables to, to figure things out. I've only played a little bit, but it's it's like really, it almost looks like uh, pencil-drawn graphics. They're really cute. And it's so far, it's just kind of fun and very unique because there's... There's tons and tons of ways to solve any given puzzle, which I, I think is pretty cool. I love those sort of games, I've, and so I, I was really excited to pick this up. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And it was definitely yeah, but, got a lot of buzz at PAX. But it requires the players to be remotely literate, which is kind of tough for your average video game guy, isn't it? <laughs> you know, but it's, it, it is good for kids because, you know, uh, Allie was playing it earlier tonight. And, you know, you, you've got to practice, you know, uh, how do you spell that, you know, and that sort of thing. So it also has, there's even a slight educational thing that you're forcing in there. which is Oh, dear God. Kind of damn cool. I like that. That is cool. So what else have I been playing? I picked up Arkham Asylum. Nice. It's pretty, how is it being the bat? It is cool. It's cool to kick the shit out of people. It, there's, it's, yeah, it is. It's a, Where did you get all this free time to be playing all these video games? I haven't man? played it that much yet, but I got a. I had a rain check at Fry, so I got a good price on it. And uh, yeah, it's uh, you know playing it. The the graphics are amazing. Uh, it definitely gets the feel I think of Batman's world right. Uh, Mark Hamill does the voice of the Joker, and it's amazing. And oh, uh, the, the the combat is very kind of intuitive. It's kind of mostly one button. 
and it's it's about kind of putting together combos to get more points, I guess, and then you can use those points <laughs> to to buy stuff. Is that accurate, Brian? Combos, of yeah, yeah. Yeah, if you keep hitting the button, it will, like, switch from, like, if you're surrounded by, like, five people, it, like, intuitively will switch to each person, so you can do combos all the way around, just hitting the one button. But there, that there, sounds just like Steve Speed. <laughs> but there's also there's also different variations. Like you can also you enter a room and you can jump down and fight with guys. You can climb you know a zip line up with your batarang to the gargoyles and then drop down on them one by one from the shadows. You can blow yeah. them up with explosive gel. There's just like a number of ways you can solve each room, which is kind of cool. Yeah, it's kind of like the uh, the stealth mechanics of the uh, Metal Gear Solid franchise. Like built into it, which is really cool. So I'm I'm anxious to dig into it more. I've only played it for like a half hour, but what I what I've seen so far, I like, and it looks like it's a lot of fun. So, well, the other cool thing is they brought uh, Kevin Conroy back, who does the voice of uh, Batman. He did it in uh, like the Batman animated series, all the way up to the uh, Justice League cartoons. Oh, that's cool. So the verdict is cool, cool, and cool for the game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Because that's the adjective the only, being thrown around here. It's cool. The, okay, well, the only down part, the only down thing in the game is there's no multiplayer, which Uncool. would be really cool to have on that. Yeah, that, that is yeah, the one thing. Like, Steve with, would always want to be Harley Quinn. and <laughs> <laughs> You know, they're like Dead Space, kind of. I played that for a couple of days. I got a couple of good sessions in, and then that one fell by the wayside because of that. just that reason that I got caught up in Left for Dead and... Uh, World at War and other stuff that I could do multiplayer with, and it's a great game, and I really enjoyed playing it, but I, I have not finished it because of that, because it didn't have that multiplayer aspect, so it's funny how that's become such a vital part of uh, playing a game that, you know, that kind of you tend to gravitate towards that experience now, especially with the Xbox oh, being so easy to connect with friends. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it just seems like the Batman, they could do so much with multiplayer, right? Bringing in different characters and stuff, and they just don't seem to utilize it very well. Do you think that's because the Batman is so overpowered compared to all the other characters? I don't know. I mean, it's just like you can bring in other Bat characters. Like, you can bring in Robin and Nightwing and Batgirl and all that stuff. To sort of even up the villain to hero ratio to do, right. you know, some like versus matches or something, but sure, yeah. You know, but in the end, really though, Batman can kick the shit out of everybody unless they bring Superman in or something like that, you know. Yeah. So I wonder if that I was a, if that was a game balance decision or it, you know what what was behind that thinking. I wonder. Well, like I know the PS3 version, you can play as the Joker through the game as like one of the uh, exclusive Sony, you know, versions of it. Right, but is that that's so, in the I mean, challenge modes, right? At the end of the game, the challenge modes. I don't know. Since I didn't have a PS3, I didn't really look into it because I figured I would just make myself mad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would be badass to play as the Joker. Uh, well, the the other thing I've been playing lately is I picked up a Med- Metroid Prime trilogy for the Wii, and that has been a kick in the ass. That I never really played those games much. And they're totally immersive, a lot of shooting, a lot of puzzle solving, and, you know, some timed stuff where you're under the gun and you have to move quickly. And th- those games are a lot of fun. And they're, again, they're very clean, you know, not a lot of gore, so you can play them with kids. You're mostly shooting bugs and robot type things, so that, that is also an excellent game. And you get three games for the price of one, because it's Metroid 1, 2, Prime 1, 2, and 3 all in one game. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a hell of a bargain. It comes in like a metal collector's case, 
it's just a, a fantastic package for the price. So definitely worth checking out. Yeah, I never really got into the Metroid games. I played Metroid 2 on Game Boy, and that was pretty much about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played the, the Metroid on the Game Boy as well, but I uh, never really played it on a real system. Cool. Anything else you're playing, Gordon? Well, uh, if you listen to Vaughn, I'm playing a lot of Puzzle Quest, <laughs> which is embarrassing because it's true, but uh, I don't know. I, I downloaded that game and wasted way too much time playing it. No, I'm kind of waiting for a few games to come out before I spend my hard-earned cash, and, and, uh, and I'm almost almost there. Plus, I've been busy as hell and haven't had a lot of video game time. Yeah. Well, what what? and then one last thing I did just pick up. Uh just if you're interested in that sort of thing, Street Fighter 4, which is on a lot of people's ga- you know lists as the game sites and stuff, is one of the best games of the year. Target's got that thing marked down to 27.98 right now. And this is, is that any good, Steve? And this that was a game that was 60 bucks, and I played a little bit of it with Thad tonight, and it was a lot of fun. Okay. He kicked, I never really was a he, fan of the Street Fighter series. Well, it's you know we had such trouble with Mortal Kombat. You and I both bought Mortal Kombat for Xbox, yeah. and we're Which never able to play each other. And so you know I was hoping that this would be better. And this is a lot less gruesome to play with the kids. Yeah, it kind of has Mortal that Kombat. Dragon Ball Z look to it, to where you know people get hit and they kind of get stars around their head and make funny faces, but there's zero yeah. gore. So it's much better for that. And it doesn't give me a fucking seizure like Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> so well, you have to have like 18 independent eyes keeping track of everything as Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, and for the Wii, it's even worse, dude. It's sparkles and glowy shit. And oh my God, that game gives me a fucking headache. See, I, never, I couldn't get into Street Fighter 4. I borrowed it from Wes. And uh, I played it for like half a day and I was done with it. <laughs> Well, I, I'm not, you know, a huge fighter guy, so maybe I have more room. But just playing it with my son tonight was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that'd probably be cool. I just, I, uh, I couldn't like understand how to do the freaking moves or anything, and I was like, you know what, I'm gonna go back shooting zombies. <laughs> that's well, that's always a good fallback, dude. Yeah, that's a great plan B. Cool. And then one, one last thing I wanted to talk about for triage is uh, Blackest Night. I, I know yeah. you're, you're not reading it, are you, Gordon? No, I'm not. Should I be reading this? I, I'm you still following be. along, okay. and I'm really enjoying it. I know Brian's into it. Oh, yeah. Me and you've had many email conversations about it. Yeah, it's good shit so far. I really like what I'm seeing. I, 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 I did miss the Superman issue, and I didn't pick up the Teen Titans issue, but the, the Batman issues have been great. All the Green Lantern stuff has been really interesting, and I'm wondering where this is going to go. Yeah, the, uh, the Superman issue is really good. You should uh, see if you can find... Uh, a back issue of it. I hear it's it's thought, like fucking gone. They've gone to reprint. So if uh, um, your boy Uncle Randy could hook a brother up, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, oh, well, we'll see what we can do. Thanks. That'd be awesome. Yeah, maybe a crate falls off a truck or something. You know, you know how it happens. <laughs> that happens. Yeah, the, the Superman story is really cool. It takes place in Smallville, and uh, uh, Earth 2 Superman shows up to wreak havoc on the uh, Kent family, so... You should definitely check it out if you're if you're really enjoying the darkest or er, darkest night. God damn it, the blackest night stuff. Mm. Then uh, yeah, the Superman one you'll really enjoy it. 
So we, we touched on it just to, to sort of do a mini synopsis. We touched on it a little bit. Blackest Night is sort of, in, in some ways, the DC Universe version of what Marvel is doing with Marvel Zombies. It's a, an excuse to kind of to, to inject zombies versus superheroes in that world. And they, they've yeah. brought a ton of characters that have died. So right now they've got Aquaman is a zombie. Uh, Martian Manhunter is a zombie. Uh, what is he? Is he Jeez. Plastic Man or Elastic Man? What is Ralph Dibney? What is he actually called? Uh, plastic the Elastic Man. man. Elongated Man? I don't know. He, Elongated but, Man. He's fucking... <laughs> yeah. man. He is a creepy-ass zombie. Fucking yeah. terrifying. Because uh, he's still got that like sarcastic wit about him, which makes him even more like creepy but he's like missing an eye and his face is falling off. i mean it, he's fucking terrifying the way he's drawn in there the art for the most part is just stunning through the whole series yeah everything i've seen so far and then you all right i gotta get yeah. into this and, and ba- yeah and basically like the there's all there's a different green lantern core for each color of the spectrum and they're all battling each other you know within the world so it's 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 got a lot of interesting stuff going on, and there's a ton of plot and a ton of you wonder what's coming up, you know what what that's about, and then two issues from now they start to reveal some facts where it makes sense and they fill in, and it's it's yeah just really well done. You can and I mean uh, he was Jeff Johns was working on this for years. Yeah, yeah, he's been orchestrating this ever since he started. Uh, basically, ever since he brought Hal Jordan back, so I mean, he's started planting seeds. You know, along that if he if he was able to pull this off, he could you know draw on all that stuff and right, yeah. Because I so went far, back to you know, the, sto- the story's I, been amazing so far. So he's pretty much a genius in my book at the moment. Yeah, I went back and picked up the Rebirth graphic novel and the two Sinistro Wars graphic novels, which I guess lead you in. And then you yeah. can also pick up uh, Rage of the Red Lanterns, which just came out recently. And there's a, a Agent Orange graphic novel, which I think's coming out in November. So that will kind of you know bring you up on the backstory as far as who Agent some Orange of these, is awesome. So who who some of these players are because it's a lot at once when you just kind of dive into it. You're like, who the fuck are all these people? You know? <laughs> yeah, I hate that. I hate coming in. And I mean, there, there is definitely a cast of thousands in this series. Yeah, and it, it spawns out of the Green Lantern thing. And when you say, like, you know, there's different colored lanterns for stuff, it sounds kind of silly, but the way Jeff Johns, like, writes it, it just makes complete sense. And, it, you know, each color also represents, like, a different emotion. So, like, red is rage and uh, purple is love or something like that. And Yellow, of course, is fear. I mean, yeah, it, and it, yeah. It, all, it all is intuitive when you start to think about it. Like, well, yeah, of course it would be. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, that's what he did such a great job with, kind of th- figuring that out to where it's seamless and it makes sense. And it doesn't seem, when you start to look at it, it doesn't seem hokey at all. It's really very yeah. cool. And the cool thing is they show uh, sort of from the zombies, if that's you know what they are, whatever you want to call them. Like you see from their perspective. So when somebody's like all like, you know, riled up with rage or whatever, they'll see them with like a red aura. And basically they're what they want to do is rile these people up to get the most emotion out of them as possible and then basically just rip their heart out and eat it because it's so charged up with whatever emotion that they're going through at the time. Wow. Yeah, it's really cool. Heart eating. I mean, you know, what could be better in comic books? Ah. <laughs> That's the shit. Cool. So is anybody else uh, Blackest Night? Check it out. 
definitely. If you're not checking out, I mean, I think you can still get most of the uh, the main issues and um, back issues at the moment. I think they're reprinting them. But, yeah, they're, they're going into yeah. second printings on most of the stuff. So you'll be able to find it one way or the other. I just saw uh, the comic shop here had the uh, second printing of the Batman number one issue. So they're, they're, they're not wasting any time on the reprints. Yeah, that Batman stuff has been creepy as hell, too. No, no kidding. It's pretty awesome. Cool. Well, anybody have any anything else for triage? No, man. I'm fresh out. Cool. Well, how about some filthy jokes, then? How about it? Should we, we start with our guest? Sure. Do you want to go first, Brian? Bring it, Brian. Um, sure. I don't really have a filthy joke, because I forgot to look one up today on the internet. Okay. But um, I do have... <laughs> I do have one that's inappropriate, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, this is completely a David Tell joke, too, which is makes it even funnier. Is uh, you know, So I, I was at a bar last week, and I was checking out all the ladies and stuff. And I saw this one lady from behind, and she looked really good, so I went up to her and you know, tapped her on the shoulder to see if I could talk to her, and she turned around, she had a black eye. And I was like, oh, man, of all the women in the bar, I find the one that doesn't know how to listen. <laughs> <laughs> David Tell is great. The funniest thing I ever heard him say was, uh, uh, "Find me a hooker with a lazy eye so she can watch for the cops while she's blowing me." <laughs> uh, uh, drunk and zombie and bone bad do not endorse beating of women. No, <laughs> but we do endorse blowjobs. <laughs> That's true. Wholeheartedly. Yeah, exactly. All right, so there's this guy Jerry. And he, he is an excellent trumpet player. And he gets hired to play his trumpet on the score of this film. So he's totally jazzed up about this. And he's especially thrilled because he finds out from the producer that he gets to play two long, two really long solos. So this, the sessions go just fabulously. And he, the, Jerry can't wait to see the finished product. So he talks to the producer about it. And the, the producer's a little bit evasive. But he finally says, well... Uh, here's the deal. The, the film's for a porno flick that I'm doing. It's going to be out in a month, and, you know, you can go catch it at the Pussycat Theater. So Jerry, a month later, he's kind of, he's a little trepidatious about it because he's usually not the guy who frequents porno theaters. But he, you know, turns his collar up and is wearing his sunglasses and whatnot, and he, he goes into the theater. Uh, he sits way in the back, and uh, uh, he's waiting for the film to come on, and this elderly couple comes and sits right next to him. And he's like, oh, fucking great. You know, he's got grandma and grandpa right there, and, you know, nobody wants to, you know, he, he doesn't know what these people are thinking of. So the, the movie starts, and it's the filthiest, most perverse porno flick. I mean, it's got two-way, three-way, four-way, five-way. It just... <laughs> S&M, Golden Showers, Ball Gags, you fucking name it. This film has got it all. And then, halfway through, this dog comes in and starts just asiling every orifice in the film. Guys, chicks, it does not care. That little red lipstick is flying. I think I've seen this movie. <laughs> you have? And so, you know, Jerry is just, he's so fucking embarrassed. He's slouched down in his seat, and he's just, you know turns to the elderly lady next to him and he says, you know, I, I, I just came to this for the music. And she says, oh, I understand. We're, we're just here to see our dog. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Oh, God. Thank you. All right. So, that, that reminds me of another joke, uh, and I hope I don't screw it up because I didn't think about it ahead of time. Um, I'm going to kind of do it on the fly here, but uh, this 
guy sees a sign hanging in a bar window and it says piano player wanted so he walks into the bar and uh says uh understand you're looking for a piano player let me show you what i can do so the bartender says great you know there's a piano just coming right in out of the cold sits down and plays the most amazing 10 minute long piece of music the bartender has ever heard in his life it's it's absolutely stellar it sounds like the guy is playing with six hands it's so good so complicated so intense it goes my god that was amazing what i've never heard that song before what's the name of that song and he goes oh that that song is giant stinking vagina with a dead rat hanging halfway out (laughs) the bartender goes what the hell he goes no really i wrote the song myself that's what i called it and the bartender goes, God, that's, I don't know how to feel about that. Do you have something else you can play? And so the, the piano player takes for a minute. And he goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I got something else. This time, same kind of thing. He sits down and plays a piece of music. It's 20 minutes long. It takes the listeners on an emotional journey from the depths of sadness to the peaks of happiness. There is despair. There's heartbreak. There's triumph. It is the most, it's like a whole Wagner ring trilogy packed into one 20 minute piano piece. And wiping tears from his eyes, the bartender goes, what? I can't, I cannot believe I just witnessed that amazing piece of music. What do you call that? And he says, oh, bloody pustules on a hooker's nipple. And bartender goes, okay, look, you're, you're an amazing player. You got the job, but you got to promise me you don't tell any of the patrons the names of any of your songs. And the, the piano player is like, yeah, okay, I can do that. So he gets a regular gig at the bar, and he's he's a, the bar's business increases. It goes from kind of a seedy dive bar that happened to have a piano to one of the hottest spots in town. People are coming in in, in formal wear, ball gowns, tuxes, and the guy becomes the toast of the town. One night he's playing piano for this appreciative crowd, finishes his piece between sets, goes to take a leak in the bathroom, and there's this absolutely stunning blonde in there says... I've been listening to your music every night for the last month, and this is the least I can do for you. She unzips the fly to his tux and just gives him this amazing hummer. So when he's all done, he goes back out into the bar to play the next piece of music, and the bartender stops him. He goes, hey, do you know your dick's hanging out and you've got lipstick and come all over it? He goes, no, it, I wrote it. <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't bad. I liked it. Thanks. So what was your actual joke? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the funny one? I'll save that for next week. Oh, that'll work. Cool. Three weeks. All right. Well, uh, our normal bullshit. First, I'd like to do some thank yous. Uh, thank you. Thank you, of course, to Brian for joining us. Thanks for... Thank uh, you, Brian. Thank you, Brian. Well, uh, thanks for having me. This is probably the most fun I've had guest hosting anything. <laughs> thanks to Drunken Zombie. my own damn show. Yeah, and, and thank you all. You know, you've been supportive of us from the get-go. You've played our promos. Or you've even played a, one of my tunes at the end of your show one time. And I just, I really appreciate that support. That's really awesome from you guys. And, you know, thank Wes, Dave, and Uncle Randy for me as well. Uh, thanks to yeah, the other show. Thanks to the other shows who uh, support us. Brother D and Miss Bren of Mail Order Zombie. Vaughn from Motion Picture Massacre. The guys at Radioactive Metal. uh, Sam and Mike from Cadaver Lab. Jacob from Pinto Gigante. Jeff Crazy and Dead Mike from It Came From The Basement. 
Matt and Shannon from Seattle Geekly, of course. Who else? Oh, the fucking obscure 80s guys. No, I'm just kidding. We love Jay and Stu and Mike. Um, And, yeah, thanks to everybody who, you know, plays our promos, who supports us. We really appreciate it. And also a very special thank you to Jorge Meneses of Barefoot Barnacle for another badass gig poster. Well done, sir. Thanks to Julie for tolerating our nonsense and, you know, being the first ear to hear our shows and tell us when something's fucked up and when something's awesome. I appreciate that. You know, Uh, thanks to Gord for, you know, doing this shit with me. Uh, Thanks and thanks to anybody who has ever listened to our show. You know, there's a lot of entertainment choices out there. There are other podcasts or video games or movies. There's other shit you could be doing. You could be masturbating right now. And instead, you're listening to us. So thank you for that. Well, except for you at work. If you're at work, you probably wouldn't be masturbating right now. But other than that. Depends on your job. Yeah, you you, there, there are options. And, and thanks for listening. A uh, couple of quick things. Uh, at, the fir- at the start of the show, we played a uh, promo for the Extra Life uh, fundraiser, which is a thing put on by Sarcastic Gamer. On October 17th, 2009, they're doing a marathon gaming session, which starts on Saturday at 8 a.m. For 24 hours, they're going to play, play games. They're taking sponsors and money to uh, donate towards trying to cure uh, pediatric cancer. So it, uh, it's a great fucking cause. Uh, I stopped and dropped off of some a few bucks when I was there at their get-together at PAX. And, you know, if that sort of thing interests you, if you're interested in playing games or, you know, helping out a worthy cause, uh, check out HTTP extralife.sarcasticgamer.com. And, uh, you know, it's a great cause. Help, help some kids out. Uh, second of all... Uh, a spank dog who was an occasional host on uh, Obscure 80s had like a foot of bowel removed last week, and Whoa. that's gotta suck. So, spank, Ugh. feel better soon, man. I uh, hope all is well. And uh, did he get to keep it? Yeah, I think so. And to my son Thad, uh, happy seventh birthday, big guy. Am I supposed to thank people? No, only if you want to. You know what? You want to thank anybody? You, <laughs> no. <All> right. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. Happy anniversary. Oh, yeah, happy anniversary. Or birthday, whatever it is. Other than that, nah, screw you. Hold on, hold on a second. Yeah. Is is, is this actually your two-year anniversary show? This is. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, that's why I'm thanking all these people. (laughs) Oh, see, I didn't even realize. Yeah. Well, happy anniversary to both of you guys. Thank you. How long have you been married now? Yeah, two two, years. Two years, yeah. It's the Lynn anniversary. But our wives don't know about it. (laughs) My wife doesn't even know I do a podcast. (laughs) What's a podcast? (laughs) Podcast. Well, congratulations, guys. I only hope that we can make it to two years. So You'll be at two years in like a month, right? Yeah, one more month. Because, I, yeah, I started listening to you right after we started. So I think issue number two or episode number two or three is where I first listened to Drunken Zombie. So. Oh, and you were like, hey, Gord, this show is way more fucked up than ours. <laughs> we, can, we can do much better. <laughs> we can do this without all the sucking. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably true. And listen, both shows are a lot better than they were back then. So That's very true. Yeah, so. absolutely. But seriously, congratulations. Oh, awesome. thanks, man. We appreciate it. Uh, then the usual bullshit. Uh, if you uh, want to contact the show, you give us a holler at 206-203-3115 or via email at steve at bonehand.com. You can uh, find new content from me uh, <laughs> almost every Sunday. <laughs> At bonehand.com. Yeah, I've been kind of lax lately. It's been show heavy. Let's just put it that way. And uh-huh. uh, where where can we find your shit, Gord? 
MightyWombat.com is where my cartoons, my offensive drawings, flowcharts, and random blather can be found, as well as a monthly column on DavisLifeMagazine.com. And Brian, where can we find Drunken Zombie? Uh, DrunkenZombie.com. And we're on you know Facebook, MySpace, Twitter, all that other garbage, too. Cool. Speaking of Twitter, you can follow me on Bonehand on Twitter. We also have a Bonehand forum, so you should join that if you want to chat with Gordon and I and a plethora of Russian spammers. Uh, if you like what we do, as always, uh, we appreciate reviews on iTunes, votes on Podcast Alley, or please just tell a friend. And that's uh, pretty much it. So for uh, the Bone Bat Show, this is Steve. And this is Gordon. And this is Brian from Drug and Take it easy, folks. Bye. If this predicament seemed particularly cruel Consider whose fault it could be Not a torture, a match in your inventory It got narrated at you in the second person Every time you put it up It seems you got another version of your life Told to you by a status line blinking The impossible people you could be without thinking Yourself insane of personality problems With a mop on a dropship Or trying to stab a goblin That don't play in public life You get arrested Psychoactive medication daily And you're big intestine And the testing that the voice is in your head said the dwarf shot first embedded arrow then you fled for doctors with needles posit repeatedly that you knocked down that midget in the park unneededly this has seeded the idea that you should never venture from the house never get misunderstood by the non-player characters inhabiting earth none of whom are too concerned about Norton Burt not one of whom ever aimed a fish around the room trying to get it in the ear canal because doom be set the last planet they were on or near the verge of a set of poetics they wouldn't hear Never appeared at the clues with invisible ink No SM goddesses ever gave them pause to think Never piloted six robots, each distinct Don't matter how many two liters they drink They're not going to follow what you're saying at all They impute and appall in the scope of their gall As you hide in your room in disgust with the lights turned out Turn them on in a turn, leave them off for now You are likely to Predicament seemed particularly cruel Consider whose fault it could be Not a torture, a match in your inventory You are likely to be eaten by a group If this predicament seemed particularly cruel Consider whose fault it could be Not a torture, a match in your inventory Pamphlet from a mailbox that urges low cunning Offers cursor and font type running You're running it, parses what you tell it Pronouns intact, abbreviations if you need them Better keep it grammatic Better punctuate your sentences and never redact The name of anything ambiguous You're about to get that. You mean the red one, the round one, the crooked or the blue Better keep that in your pocket Don't know yet what it could do Could be desperate for the group Gonna need it if it is a situation that reloads, restarts, or quits Wonder how many points, after how many points You gotta get before you're done Endeavor then to rejoice when you wish More ardently identities shed But continuance, the rhyme forever voyaging Fled from all lights and colors From all smells and sounds Just the lyric on the monochrome display And you're proud to make another verse appear By solving riddles If you didn't have to sleep You know you'd never seek a quiddle You'd be ever in the middle In the midst of a quest If it wasn't for dawn The gown, you'd never get dressed In your underwear typing Just like front keyboard Attached up to my fingers Wrists bear the brunt As I seek to do stunts And flee through that descriptions i think i went once to some sands that were egyptian and i retained plane ticket snapshots receipts yes i stand unconvinced that this has happened to me i wouldn't want to misremember 
or get confused Recall a crawling towards a pyramid appearing over dunes Recall a mentoring the thing in descending stairs Does it descend from there? Adventure to nightmare Did I battle a snake? Was the treasure intact? Or did the TRS-80 in my brain get hacked? Thanks grandpa for buying it Now my life's ruined 22 years later heads invested got the gruin Fluent, scissifying, trying to escape But I can't cause I'm up and around and awake You are like to be eaten You are likely to be eaten by a group If this predicament seems particularly cruel Consider whose fault it could be Not a torture, a match in your inventory You are likely to be eaten by a group If this predicament seems particularly cruel Consider whose fault it could be Not a torture, a match in your inventory Two years down, hopefully thousands to go.